Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We just truly appreciate you listening out there. We are the number one show on Monday nights on the podcast radio network. The podcast Not with those radio intros, we won't be anymore. Well, no, no, we love those intros. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the podcast radio network, we are on, and we are truly, truly thankful to be on the air with them um every monday night uh 10 30 eastern 7 30 pacific check us out there also we're very very blessed to be on all the great networks that we are on including the tangent bound network the eso network the gunna geek network uh check out all the great shows that they have there as well uh and if you want to download us well or you know we got plenty of download showing uh you know channels out there including itunes stitcher podcast.com google play and also mixcloud so if you do we throw some bonus content for you for you as well so yeah it's always nice right when people subscribe on itunes they get a little bit more than what they hear on these awesome networks that we're thrilled to be a part of but you get a little bit extra icing for your cake there a little a little extra sprinkle on your uh, pop culture donut there you go and indeed who is here with me today um saying that right now it is the man the myth the legend right now the man behind rob mccallum films and pyre productions it is the great <laughs> rob i was gonna say the man behind rob mccallum i'm looking over my shoulder i'm like god i knew somebody else was more important no, i added the films in there so yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear you i hear you i know no i am here Welcome, everybody that's listening. Gerald, thanks for having me yet again. I'm glad I can stop by at least once every couple of weeks, it seems. 
Uh, it sounds good. Yes, always great to have you on indeed. And, uh, you know, first off, I want to have a, a big announcement. If you didn't catch um, on the, the the most recent uh, episode, which was our initial episode uh, on the network every, you know, Friday night on the podcast radio network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, it is the PCC Multiverse uh, it's a great new show that we came up with. Uh, uh, thank you again to John with the Podcast Radio Network for, for allowing us the opportunity to be on the air. Plus, the PCC Multiverse will be available for download from a lot of the other outlets that we are already on, and we'll be uh, finalizing that over the next uh, week or so. But, uh, Rob? What is, what is the multiverse? And, I mean, let's let's be clear. If you're already a subscriber on iTunes or Stitcher, you're getting the multiverse delivered already, so you don't have to do anything. But what is the PCC multiverse. So Rob, what is the PCC multiverse? <laughs> you saw what you did there. Well, Gerald, what is the PCC multiverse? That is such a good question. Well, this is something we talked about, I think just before Christmas or between Christmas and Thanksgiving, somewhere in that holiday gap where we are not only on these awesome networks that have a lot of like-minded shows, but we also really promote a lot of shows within the PCC in one to two minute little bursts like GamerCast, The Trenches, which I'm a part of, uh, and, and some of the other great shows that are that are part of the network already. And I thought, man, it, it would be cool if we had another slot on some of these networks where we could show more of these shows, more than just a minute. So we're hoping to showcase, you know, five, 10 or 15 minute segments of some of these ancillary shows that really support the PCC and uh, kind of just bring some audience to, to what they're doing in, uh, you know, little uncut segment chunks, I think. I think that's the best way to describe it. Some sort of, you know, eclectic blend of potpourri geekness for everyone. There you go, indeed. A, a ton of great shows are coming out to you. And, and you know, this is something we've done on the Pop Culture Cosmos show from time to time. We've, we've sampled uh, bits of shows from, from our, you know, family of, of uh, from our Pop Culture Cosmos network and whatnot. So this is something that we're going to be doing. The PCC Multiverse gives you that sampling pretty much right there. It's going to give you a, a, a great lineup of shows. And some of the shows that have already uh, lined up with us, let me just go ahead and, and run down that list right for you now. It all starts off with some of Rob's shows, including The Trenches, uh, GamerCast with J. Rob and Glenn, um, also as well, um, A Galaxy Far, Far Away from Jay. Um, as, as far as you know, doing his his deal with with all the Star Wars universe there, uh, Wine, Women, and Words, Diana and and Michelle just doing a great job with their great podcast on the literary world. Um, we're the great the Game Source podcast that will be also available. Uh, you know that will be from time to time on the show as well. The Double J Filmcast, uh, Chad and Travis's musical show about music. Uh, Travis versus the world, and and I know you've got something else that that's you're, you're lining up as well, and plus other shows on the queue. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm hoping to start a new show with my good friend J Rock, who I'm doing a little bit more production work with these days. It probably won't start till the spring, but it'll be a, a fun intersection between technology, film, and TV. We're both uh, filmmakers. We both approach things differently. We all love this. Him and I love a lot of the same things, but we just. We do not see eye to eye on what these things are and what makes something good, yet we find a common middle ground. So right now we're tentatively calling uh, that show, it's an episode of something podcast. So here I say, welcome to it's an episode of something and we'll talk about tech, TV and movies and how they interact, or at least we hope that's what the focus will be. We'll probably just banter back and forth about whatever. 
But uh, yeah, we hope to kind of launch that this spring and probably go on a weekly basis at least to start. Oh, that's awesome to hear indeed. And that will definitely be part of the PCC multiverse as well. So everybody look out for it. It is going to be on the podcast radio network. Uh, actually, it already is when when this airs, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it's a great collection of, of the latest thoughts from our Pop Culture Cosmos family. Uh, check it out indeed. Uh, we are truly blessed again to be on the podcast radio network. So take a look for that. And also, a lot of the download areas that you already get Pop Culture Cosmos, if you download it, it will be showing up there as well. So we truly appreciate it, and we'll be finalizing all the networks on next week's show. So Monday so, and Friday, that's that's pretty cool, huh? Yep, yep, Monday and Friday indeed. So bookend. Pop Culture Cosmos is now bookending your week, and so that that's just a great way to, to have an indeed. I, I know when I first sat down with you, Rob, and we talked about exactly what we wanted to do with the show uh, you know, in the beginning and and some of the offers that, that we were pondering as far as going on public radio and whatnot. Uh, we're, <laughs> I'm glad we're, we're not broadcasting live from the Arby's drive-thru. Yes, like yes, that. something like that. Early but, fries uh, with that, sir? I'm yes. good. I'm podcasting here. <laughs> no worries, indeed. Um, but yeah, the, one of the things we, we were uh, talking about was doing a week, uh, you know, like a Thursday, Friday drive-home show. So this definitely... Did uh, I get fit- a beef and cheddar? Yeah. <laughs> Beef and cheddar, indeed. Beef and cheddar, indeed. But yes, this is definitely uh, something that that uh, is is far more reaching. Is there uh, any horsey sauce over there? Yes, yes. Go go for the horsey sauce. The horsey sauce is just awesome. But okay. yes, yes. Uh, you know, got <laughs> Sorry, I mean, what, what folks don't understand is we're in a proposition. We were, you know, basically one phone call away from broadcasting on an AM station and an Arby's drive-through, and I think. You know, it kind of hurt to turn that down at the time because we were going to be on, you know, legitimate radio. But now we're bookending with two shows a week. And it's only been, you know, I think four or five months since we've turned it around. And our listenership has gone through the roof thanks to everybody's feedback and all these other shows that come around. So I think we made the right move. Exactly. I think we did so as well. Uh, You know, the show's doing so well here, the main show on PCC. And now we've got two main shows to bookend it with the PCC Multiverse on Friday. So check that out indeed. So we're, you know, something talking a little bit about a a movie that that's going to be in production here soon. Um, Actually, this later this year in August, but I don't know. What are your thoughts as far as uh, the Avatar universe? Because Avatar, James Cameron announced that that you know principal photography will be starting after a much long de- you know long delay I, and I thought it was and all motion that stuff. capture that was starting. Motion thought- capture, okay. Motion capture starting on it. Well, you know, okay. Photography is going to be some 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 type of photography then is going to be done in in August. You know, it's it's motion capture. Indeed. I can already tell that you're dismissing everything. Anything has to do with this film and this franchise. Ah, oh, photography, motion capture. Well, okay, I okay. Don't care. So I'm already leading myself into that. But you know, I've said before that Avatar, even though it made oh well well over two and a half billion dollars at the box office, yeah, um, it did not ever you know, gain a foothold in pop culture. Uh, I, you know, I remember the days as far as very short lived that people dressed as a Navi and whatnot. And uh, now people don't even remember it outside of the showings on FX uh, as far as it's concerned. So what are your thoughts as far as Avatar? I know there's plans as far as 
five films in the making. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, five in total. And there's yes. a theme park uh, expansion at Disney World as well for an Avatar land as part of yes. Animal Kingdom. Now that that I, I you know when I was there earlier you know halfway through last year, I know that that was uh, already you know getting underway as far as it's concerned. So. What are your thoughts as far as the Avatar universe? Do you think it's something that can actually really gain a foothold again with audiences? Or do you think it's just something that's going to be, you know, as popular in the theaters and then it just, you know, goes away from there? And do you think it has the legs to do five? Much well, less I mean, two. here's the thing, right? Like, it's been such a long time since that first film came out. I think in 2008, fall of 2008, Christmas 2008. I didn't see it until January of 2009. This, this is what everybody's got to remember. Sure, it hasn't made the, the impact. It's not quotable. It wasn't an original, fresh story. But it executed incredibly well. It took advantage of IMAX and 3D technology. Um, CG imagery was pretty fantastic in that. You cannot ever, 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 ever count out James Cameron. Nobody believed in Titanic. That movie did okay. Nobody was 100% sure if he could pull off an original fantasy film. Avatar did okay. Now, Cameron likes to take long breaks between projects, and then he likes to get fully immersed in them. So the fact that they're basically making four new films, I think will really help cement it in the you know the public consciousness to become part of that pop culture uh, lexicon so people can quote it, so people can be immersed. It's not just going to be the films. Like I said, with the theme park kind of expansion, there's going to be toys. You know there's going to be video games. Um, it's it's going to be part of it. And while it feels really strange and foreign to us because that blip in the radar kind of came and went because it has been, you know, what, eight years? Seven, eight years. I think that's all going to be erased really soon. It, it, it feels like it's missed a generation for some people or it was like, oh, I remember when that, that film when I grew up. But it's going to come back really quickly into everybody's kind of purview and It'll give us a reason to go back and watch the other one. And I'm sure there'll be something in these sequels that make us appreciate that first one even more in the same way that Rogue One kind of pays off little things in A New Hope to make us appreciate that a little bit more. Uh, just don't count it out. I understand why people aren't excited. That is going to change, I think, once marketing starts to kick in, once you start to see some trailers, once this beast finally hits the world. You don't, like, you don't plan four films in, unless you really have something cooking. Why don't you think it, it has uh, gained that continuous popularity that, say, a Star Wars has, for, you know, for example? Oh, well, it's, just, it's been too long since the first one, right? And there hasn't been anything that it's fed off of. Even when Phantom Menace came back, uh, in, or when it came to the theaters in 99, sure, there was like, you know, what, an 18-year gap or a 17-year gap. But those first three films were so memorable. And let's not forget you had the release of, Star Wars on home video to help keep that alive. You had Droids cartoon to help keep it alive. So there was lots of different stuff, and then you had special edition to keep it alive. So the re- and the power of the Force collection as toys. So with Star Wars, you've never had anything for more than a couple of years without something new, including books and video games from Jedi all the way to Phantom Menace. And since Phantom Menace, there's always been something in in our consciousness, whether it's those theatrical films, the Clone Wars cartoons new video games, and all the way to Force Awakens, there's always been something new with Star Wars. There hasn't been anything new with this. That's going to change, and that'll help keep it kind of on the tip of our tongues or on the tip of our tails. Oh, my gosh. Pun right there for you. So that's our thoughts on the Avatar universe. Uh, If you have 
thoughts on the Avatar universe you'd like shared on the show, or if you just want to weigh in with anything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, feel free to get a hold of us, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, and then also popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Rob, uh, before we head on out, this is going to be a great episode here today on the Pop Culture Cosmos coming up for everyone out there. But before we head on out, what's going on with Rob McCallum Films? I kind of saw, you know, caught wind of a uh, certain photo from a certain upcoming uh, He-Man, He-Man documentary type deal that's coming up. I may have posted a tease for everybody because as anybody on Netflix that might know that's in the 80s cartoons like myself, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, at least season one, is now streaming on Netflix, it seems, globally. So that's cool for everybody to enjoy the the classic animated show by Filmation. And, of course, we're creating Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, a documentary that looks at every era of He-Man to tell that story of how it came to be. And today I uh, did a little screen cap of my desktop where there was two cuts of the film, and I just kind of showed those icons that I could click and watch it at any point because people are excited with the cartoon. When is the documentary coming out? I said, well... You know, it is, you know, being worked on, of course, but we are pitching to distributors. And uh, as people read this post and listen to me talk right now, I am watching it. So I get to see it. You don't. Ha, 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 ha. But it's coming soon, folks. It is coming soon. <laughs> That's great. So what else is coming on the fire for Rob and Callum Films as well? Well, hopefully we'll have a trailer for Box Art, the new docuseries that we're producing that looks at video game cover illustrators. That's going to be great to finally kind of showcase some of the stuff that we've shot all last year and culminated into six episodes that'll make up season one and hopefully help propel us to get season two underway. Um, it, that's just a matter of me actually getting some time to look at footage. I've been actually really working on a new Kickstarter campaign that actually could launch the week that we're recording this right now. And that's for uh, mutant football league, which is a revival and spiritual successor to the classic, the cult classic mutant league football. You see, it's a slightly different name, but it's the same creator, same team. I'm helping them with their Kickstarter campaign. It's, you know, gridiron carnage and mayhem and gruesome football fun with robots and skeletons and orcs and stuff where they, you can basically decimate your opponents and, you know, eliminate them from the game by eliminating eliminating them from existence. So it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek monster fun, and that should launch on Kickstarter um, this last week of January if everything goes well. And the cool thing is you will see on our campaign you get a playable demo if you become a backer for, I believe it's just a buck, you get to check out uh, a mini version of that game, which is pretty cool. So oh, that's spoils awesome. right there. You heard it first here on the PCC. There you Mutant go. Football League. So, um, and then what else have we got? How's Missing Mom doing? Is, there, is that still, you know, obviously it garnered so many awards during the, the, you know, where the movie traveled so, you know, so to so many different locales around the world, garnering award after award at film festivals and whatnot. Is there anything going on with Missing Mom right now? Yeah, it was scheduled to play in Kiev during Christmas week, but there was problems with the venue. So they moved the festival to early spring. So we're still waiting to see how it, how it does there in terms of if it wins awards or what the general audience reaction is. But that's really cool that it's actually playing in Kiev. And there are a few other film festivals we're waiting to hear back on. It is still being pitched and pushed for distribution on, on some different scales. But we hope to, to kind of make it available probably this spring in some format or another, whether it's just through Vimeo or on, or on discs that we self-publish. or we're, we're trying to get a deal to kind of get iTunes and possibly Netflix interested as well. It just takes time, and we don't want to undercut any of our festivals that are showing it exclusively and help them draw an audience so people can see it there first. 
Oh, that's awesome indeed. Definitely. Yeah, because, you know, and if anybody is unsure about it as far as it's concerned, you want to check out my review on Missing Mom. Uh, it is located at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Uh, definitely, you know, I, I detail uh, exactly, you know, what the movie's about as far as the adventure that, that Rob and his brother takes in, in the quest to to find or to attempt to find his mom because, you know, there's still an answer that's out there. Did he find his mom or not? So uh, that's, uh, you have to watch the movie to find out because, uh, you know, it takes a lot of twists and turns, uh, some good, some bad. But I tell you what, it is an excellent, excellent movie indeed. And if you want to read my full review on it, it is popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So uh, like I said, we've got a great show lined up for everyone out there today. We truly appreciate you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos and also checking out Friday nights on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific, the PCC Multiverse, which is our great, great collection of of shows that are going to be sampled there as far as that's concerned from you know, just just a ton of great programming we've got for you. And uh, to, before we head on the break, I just want to uh, thank Hyperschmidt for allowing us to play their their latest song that they have available. It's just truly awesome to to check out their work. I can tell, and that's going to be playing up right here in a in a in a sec. Um, and if you want to check out all their work, it's available on Hyperschmidt at uh, YouTube or Hyperschmidt H Y P E R S C H M I T T hyperschmidt.com all right thanks again rob for for being on this segment we truly appreciate it and i'll tell you what any last thoughts before we head out no just looking forward to uh this uh mutant football league campaign and working on the box art trailer to share with people and hopefully some news on that he-man documentary for all those eternian fanboys and fangirls out there uh check it out on robmccallumfilms.com or robmccallumfilms on facebook indeed Thanks again for being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos show as always. And definitely I will be, hopefully, uh, get you back on the show real soon. Thanks, this is, You got it. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm not coming back if you keep saying that. Something's new today. Were you lying to yourself? I can tell you're not the same They'll find you if you stay Will you hold back? Or will you give yourself away? The day you came home So sure I lost you The way you're walking right at me That thing that haunts you It's not on your back Did you decide that you were free? I don't know What you say You got to give it up to live this way I can tell your heart is truly changed Oh, in a second breath I say your name And I see the light
Everything that hurts you is not on your back. Did you decide that you were free? I can tell your heart is truly changed. Oh, in a second breath, I see your name and I see the light behind your eyes again. I can see your heart is truly changed. Oh, in a second breath, I see your name and I see the light behind your eyes again. I can tell you. tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves come in and chat with nicole or doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite and don't forget retro city games loves trade-ins so if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. We got a special event that just happened, uh, Final Fantasy 30th anniversary event. And it was a doozy, guys. They talked about a lot they of stuff. About nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. That's not true. I was expecting a lot more from it. They showed a picture of Cloud with Sephiroth in the top right. If like I feel that like picture right up there. <laughs> I feel like if my 30th birthday was as uneventful as Final Fantasy is that I would just drive off cliff. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> It'll just be the Josh and Brian podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and hopefully survive. Yeah. Yeah, but just because 
It, it, it was very uneventful. I do think that picture was cool, but it wasn't like at all what you expected for a 30th anniversary. Like it's a picture, like there and I, there. There's so much fan art on the internet that I'm sure there's like a million other pictures just like it. So they well, that was really... taken from Deviant Art. That wasn't even their own. Yeah, they, they were just like <laughs> giving us something that we already knew was going to happen. Cloud is gonna fight Sephiroth. What? Yeah. Well, nobody's played Final Fantasy VII. It's a brand yeah, new game. Yeah. Uh, I think um, King Mark's three picture was better. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm waiting for the third era of Final Fantasy when Tetsuya Nomura no longer works with that company because I think he's the worst. He, he takes so long on anything he does. But he doesn't. Well, he do doesn't good. have enough belts. He, that's like, the I think <laughs> like like the same problem with Kingdom Hearts because that's his baby, yeah, and that's does. you can pretty much trace the beginning to Final Fantasy getting a little hard to follow with Kingdom Hearts being really popular because they're like, oh, we should just make all our games as crazy as Kingdom Hearts and let this guy do it. And he, like, I've heard him say that he just makes up stuff, like, on the spot. Like, even, like, with all the ridiculous... The reason the lore is so stupid in Kingdom Hearts is because my understanding is that he just makes that stuff up. There's not, like... Yeah, there's no plan. There's no, like, this is what it's about at its core. It's, like... Oh, I'm just gonna do this and this and this and this and this, and you can just tell it's like so he could come to work drunk one day and he just end up with all kinds of other things. You can't yeah, well, it's the same thing. So I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic for the Final Fantasy VII remake, but I also 15 for me. That's the main reason that made me optimistic. I was concerned a little bit. I'm a little. I'm so concerned because of the portrayal of Cloud and everything post Final Fantasy VII as like whiny emo boy or not sullen yeah. emo boy. He listens to so, confessional every yeah, day. But I feel like. I felt like he's like constantly, you know, like listening to Dashboard Confessional. But, <laughs> so I, I would, I just want them to tease something that shows us that Cloud is the character he actually originally was, which is a cross-dressing guy, cross-dressing <laughs> smartass. Um, no, he was a funny character in that game. Swears a lot, all that kind of stuff. That's, I want to see that. If, yeah. if if I know that they're gonna do take that direction with Cloud, then they will pretty much be able to do no wrong otherwise for me because that's like. The character that the game focuses on. So if they screw him, if they screw him up. So do you think they'll make him more like the Advent Children Cloud when they in this remake? That's what Eric no. does not no. want to happen. <laughs> no, I, that would be so annoying, and because it wouldn't make any sense. But like, I don't care if like I don't want the game to be turn-based Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, because I can go play Final Fantasy VII. I don't have like the graphics complex that some yeah. people have. So, like. I don't mind that they're going to do episodic and maybe experiment with gameplay styles. Like, by all means, do all that. Yeah. Just don't ruin the characters. And for me, it's just mainly like, does he have enough belts? Is he going to have enough belts when he's out there, right? Like, <laughs> I, that's the main thing I'm concerned about. I saw the Kingdom Hearts 3 image looking like he's Cloud. I didn't see enough belts on that character. Not enough belts. The sword wasn't big <laughs> <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> the sword wasn't made of belts. <laughs> uh, put the picture up there of the just new Kingdom Hearts trailer. Belts. Have you seen that picture online? I have, yeah. Of all the belts in the corner. Yeah. Um, they, but they also announced uh, Final Fantasy XII. Yes, the Zodiac Zodiac Age, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, it's yeah. coming out uh, July 11th, which is cool. I, I'm i still confused why they're kind of half-assing their Xbox One sport. Like, I don't know why they don't want to just bring it to both platforms. When I, To my knowledge, I know it's still difficult to develop for both, but it's become way easier than it was in the past. I've heard that it might be... I've heard that it could be Sony. Yeah, um, I mean, I would be surprised they put paying a bunch of money for it or whatever. Because it's all the allure. Because, like, I, I feel like Sony is really shallow because most of the most of the games and experiences that are, like, Sony-only don't appeal to me in any way. 
This um, is a pro Sony podcast. But the, uh, <laughs> I guess the PlayStation. But the but yeah. like the internet, the yeah. internet outlook is like like Xbox was like, hey, we're going to try to do digital and do all this stuff that makes it really easy for the consumer, and then everyone's like, no, and then all PlayStation had to do was be like, we're just games. Yeah. But now now they're trying to do digital stuff, yeah. and like like everyone's like, oh, it's so innovative, it's so great, Sony, oh my gosh, yeah. your mouth tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I feel like Sony could be like Crushing. like Spinning pushing like pushing them a little bit to keep those things Sony exclusive. Well, they finally have some though, money, if man. If they were to release like Final Fantasy X and X2 on the Xbox One, I would play it. I yeah, mean, I, too. I, I played I, it twice already, but I would go back and play it again. Like, I think they could release all of them on Xbox One and they would find a market. There are a lot of people who still like RPGs, as we saw with Xbox 360, Lost Odyssey, all those games came out. and. Yeah, sure, they didn't do Halo 3 numbers, but nobody thought they were going to do those numbers. Yeah. Those games don't do those numbers on Sony consoles either. That's just those games, you know? Yeah. Like, the games that do well are the sports games and the shooters. These are RPGs. They're for a different crowd. But they could release them and still find, I think, a, a good audience mm-hmm. and make a lot of money. They don't want to, probably because either, like you guys said, maybe they're in Sony's pocket, or they don't care because they're a Japanese company and, and Xbox has no footing in Japan. Um, I don't know what it is. It's a little bit frustrating. However, a game that is on Xbox that Sony, or not Sony, Square Enix has recently made, Final Fantasy XV, did get some new announcements. Not actually on the 30th anniversary, but recently following that. Uh, Eric, you want to let us know what they did? Yeah, they just announced that they're going to add a free drive mode. Um, which is what we are waiting for. Which is interesting. <laughs> um, I actually do think that's a cool idea, though. Yeah, it's cool. We're gonna. They announced the release date for episode Gladio. Yeah, and um, Ignis. They mentioned no. They, they never gave a exact date for Ignis. Was Prompto the one that they mentioned? Was July? Who's who's one of them? They Prompto, said was like July. Prompto is like July twelfth or something. Oh, okay. And the, what, or June the first looks one? like June and the yeah. was it Gladio March twenty eighth. And then they also announced. Um, yeah. Chapter 13, their like changes oh. to it will come with the Gladio expansion. Okay. As so, well as all the patch things I can talk about free drive and all those other really cool tidbits. So that's a lot of that sounds really interesting. I think that there's some things, some questions that I wish they would address. Yeah. With because they have a new game plus mode, right? Yeah, they do. They have that and, now. Oh, they also were beefing the level cap to yes. 120, which is cool, because like I'm at 97 with my characters, and I didn't even do that much grinding. How did you get that high? You just save up experience, then you go... The way they do the experience in that game is actually a lot of fun, because of the banking system, and then once you're at the end of the game, you just take your banked experience to the the triple uh, multiplier uh, at wait, so you're Okay, so... That's what I'm doing wrong. Is I'm going yeah. around. I'm not. I'm sleeping at night you, instead of going around actually fighting. So no, well, you, you can do sleep is you at can, night uh, just equip that experience. It's oh. a free DLC that they added. Yeah. Um, okay. It's it was a really cool idea. I really liked the banking. Yeah, it's experience. Amazing. I think um, things I want to know uh, with the chapter 13 redo. Do yeah. I have to play, it play the whole game, even if it's new game plus? Yeah. And here's the next thing. I actually wouldn't mind replaying the yeah. whole game. But I would love, this is probably way too complicated, yeah. I would love if New Game Plus mode would carry over the side quests you did. Um, that is because, something I like too, yeah, I know they don't. Because I, I honestly like never want to do them all again. I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed all the side quests. The problem I had is that the world 
is so hard to get everywhere, and like it takes so much time. Yeah. Like I, that's my one thing about Dragon Age that I'm really loving is that all the areas seem really big, and yet it doesn't seem like it takes me very long to get to them. It's because they segmented them all really well, yeah. so it's like you're at Hinterlands, and it's big, but you're at Hinterlands, and then you can fast travel in Hinterlands, or you're yeah. at wherever. Um, but just because of that, it's like I just don't want to deal with the like go get a quest and then go do this. The one that game Xenoblade that briefly came up, they did a great thing where when you do fetch quests of any kind, yeah. as soon as you completed them, you didn't have to take them back to the quest giver. You know? Yeah, just kind of. Yeah, they fifteen still needs to fix some stuff. They still need to let you do the hunts. What I'm saying like is that all, all of them, them at once. Yeah. See, I understand though, though, because the the world is so big. They said they were loading them into the game. They need to they figure have to out trigger. Way to yeah. Um, but I I think that if they could do that, that would be awesome. Because then I, I would just replay the game from the beginning with yeah. all the story patches, do the DLC and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If I, I just could not, could get by without doing side, and I know I could technically do the game without the side quests, but like the story, character interactions, all that kind of kind stuff. Of you know? it, yeah. I uh, I hope that they do not make the thirteen changes like a separate menu thing where you go to do that because. To me, that would just feel weird so, and like yeah, a strange festival. way, you know. Like I don't, I want to do it through the main game. I was uh, mentioning this to Eric on the way over here. I want to do the DLC through the main game as well. I know Square Enix generally. I played some of their DLC in in Sleeping Dogs and a few of the other games where they won't put it in the game. They'll tie it to like a menu option at the front where it's like choose this DLC. And I think it's always cooler when it's kind of like an organic thing. You go in the game if, and you well, go to if that. They're making uh, chapter thirteen. Yeah. If they're redoing chapter thirteen, they need to put it in the main game because I don't want to like quit and then go out and play this chapter thirteen, and then have to go back and play the old one to go on with the game. No, I think they're planning on search and replace on that chapter yeah. thirteen. Yeah, I think they're gonna switch it up. This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. Welcome, NFL football fans. That time again. Time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith, Jr. This is an Inside Sports production, and, well, the drama is just about over. They started out a few weeks ago at 12 teams. Now we're down to the final two. So the champion of Super Bowl 51 will either be the New England Patriots, which will give Tom Brady, uh, quarterback, the uh, that'll give him five titles, which will make it. That'll break the tie he has with Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. Or, on the other side, will it be the Dirty Birds, ATL, the Atlanta Falcons, Going for the first Super Bowl championship in franchise history should be a fantastic game. So we're going to go ahead and break down the game a little bit. Maybe talk a little bit of Hall of Fame. That's why I got my Hall of Fame gold jacket on here. And uh, we'll get into a few other analytics about the Super Bowl. But we're going to hit it quick, hit it fast, and uh, get you guys in, out, on your way. So, you know, I don't work alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So, he's the man many of you already follow on Twitter, at ChrisLSports, and if not, well, maybe you should be. I think it would really enhance your existence to do so. He is a proud graduate of Rutgers University. Here he is from somewhere in an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California, although he's fighting a little bit of a cold here right now, but here's Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thank you. Great intro, as always. Yeah, it's... uh I think this is probably like my fourth cold of the year that morphs into a flu that morphs into a sinus infection. So mm. I would really think I shouldn't be getting sick after this. But uh, much like the NFL season, I'm, uh, I'm ending with barely any gas in my tank, I guess, right? Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, I think about those two. 
what we thought were going to be two great championship games, and really both of them were duds. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons just steamrolled uh, the Green Bay Packers, which, you know, the Packers were thin. The injuries caught up to them. We don't know how much the flu affected the team either, even though, you know, they're not going to make that excuse. And then what did we have? The Pittsburgh Steelers, did they just uh, – were they all sick? Did they not show up? That was a, just the most lethargic performance by a, we'll call it a proud franchise, in a championship game that I've ever seen in, in a while. Yeah, it really was. It was very disappointing. And even uh, coming out of that, you've got Roethlisberger doing radio interviews saying he's not sure if he's coming back, grumblings about the the game plan, and fingers right. pointed at Mike Tomlin, and even some, some um, shrapnel at uh, Antonio Brown for his stupid Facebook Live video. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, really, really disappointing. It's like they didn't even show up. They just got completely outcoached and outmatched. And the Le'Veon Bell thing, I know Le'Veon Bell getting injured in the first quarter, but still, when I looked at that game, they weren't doing anything with Bell in there. And it was just one of those from the start. They just didn't have the juice that they needed to get by the Patriots. And I don't. I think even with Bell in there, they were not going to win that game. No, I don't. There's really no way. And once Brown was taken out of the game, it was almost like the air was completely let out of the balloon. Yep, and uh, hey... Chris Hogan coming alive for the for the uh, New England Patriots, and the you know Rob Gronkowski is out, and there you got Martellus Bennett making key catches. But Chris Hogan nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, and he was the big uh, receiver on the day. The other was Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons, who had the identical numbers: nine catches, 180, two TDs. But what's gonna what was interesting, and what's gonna make the breakdown of the Super Bowl more interesting was there was not really any big uh, ground games and normally in those important games about controlling the clock but LeGarrette Blunt led all rushers on the day with 47 yards so that's all Devonta Freeman I think had 42 for the uh, Atlanta Falcons and you know that was it so uh, surprisingly anemic ground games for teams that put up a lot of points on that day yeah definitely and when you when you think with this Super Bowl uh, being played indoors in Houston on a mm-hmm fast turf we could see a lot more of that i highly doubt either team with their potent offenses are going to try and play ball control a la the uh super bowl 25 giants plan against the the no huddle bills yeah that's true and then the other thing is we talk about the scoring of points new england they open as a three-point favorite and the over under is set at 59 which is the highest in uh, the super bowl era so uh, they're expecting a lot of points to be scored, but let's we're going to break down the Super Bowl in in just a little bit here. Also, we're going to get some really good analytics from uh, the NFL alphas. That's a something that uh, Mr. Lardieri actually takes uh, takes part heavily in. Uh, very entertaining. They were dead on last year. We'll see what happens this year. But the uh, new CBA, the CBA currently is up in 2020, and the NFLPA has said they're not going to just renew it. They want to renegotiate. And one of the major sticking points, I think, is really on uh, when it comes to marijuana usage to deal with pain management. Uh, that's one of the things they really want to try to uh, correct or make some additions to. Some, uh... Yeah, I think we're facing another battle royale like those of mm-hmm. us remember the lockout in uh, right. 2010, I believe it was. Um, and, and I think the, the NFLPA is going to dig in on a few more things, especially how the league has is making more money than ever off of TV and now relocation right. deals. And the fact that 
you've got guys, uh, concussions are always going to be an issue, but mm-hmm. that, there's always looming out there the 18-game season, and I, I think uh, D. Smith and his team are really going to dig in on that. I know it's a few years down the road, yeah. but uh, keep an eye on it because you look at Major League Baseball and, and how powerful their players' association is. I think the NFL is probably going to take a, a page from those guys and say, hey, there's a lot of money to be made. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, well, the thing is, they, they should just scrap the idea of the 18-game season. You look at all the injuries that pile up. What are you going to have going into the playoffs? I mean, guys playing on it. You've got the walking wounded already. So, But the main thing is, when I look at the marijuana usage, that's the thing that, I mean, I, I've always had kind of a hard stance on drug usage myself. But uh, when it comes down to it, one thing, marijuana, I think, is a lot better than these opioid pain medications, which basically turns you into a heroin addict, for lack of a better word. But... I just, I would be okay personally with the marijuana usage for pain management when it comes to uh, muscles and joints and things like that, but uh, I think it could be really bad if they start using it to counteract the effects of of the concussions, because it's not a healing thing, it just makes them feel better, so if if you're smoking marijuana to make concussions to make you feel normal, you may wind up getting back out there sooner than you should and risk really a firm, further uh, permanent injury. So that's my concern with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point and one that's not really been, been brought up a lot. Good job. Um, on top of that, look at the states that have legalized it. You've already got Colorado, Washington, right. California is the latest, or many more, I'm sure, to come. How are you going to re- legislate that, especially in the off-season? These guys, you know, say they live in Seattle or L.A. or whatever. <laughs> how, how are you going to stop that when the law of the land says it's uh, allowable? Okay. Exactly. So we'll just have to stay tuned, see what happens. I guess we'll enjoy the next three seasons, and then it'll be interesting in 2019 when the all the tensions really start to mount. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you get a chance, check us out again. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, or just send us an email if you have a question, popculturecosmos and yahoo.com. Well, we truly thank you for being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos experience. And, <clears throat> excuse me, if I can say that correctly, um, if you get a chance, check out our newest show, the PCC Multiverse. That's also on the Podcast Radio Network on Fridays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a great show that combines all the goodness that is uh, the the pop culture cosmos experience, uh, which includes things like the Game Source podcast, uh, the Double J Filmcast, the Trenches, the Galaxy Far, Far Away, Wine, Women, and Words, also as well uh, the musical podcast about music, um several more podcasts will be included um inside sports hopefully hopefully we'll be actually uh contributing as well uh you know ga- excuse me gamercast with you know rob jay and glenn 
And then also uh, a lot more shows that are going to be added in there. Going to be giving you samples of those with, with you know, spirited discussions uh, that are going to be included in each of those episodes. So we truly are thankful to, you know, the network out there that's that's letting us have it. And that is the Podcast Radio Network at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. And then, of course, catch us here on the same Podcast Radio Network on at uh, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on Monday nights. And then, well, you know, you can always catch us on the download. And if you do, you'll get a bonus uh, episode for the Pop Culture Cosmos show. You'll get something bonus as well uh, into that. So we really, truly appreciate you listening. And that's going to be on iTunes, going to be on Google Play, going to be on podcast.com, also going to be on Stitcher, going to be on also as well Mixcloud. And then, of course, ESO Network, Tangibound Network, and, of course, the Gunny Geek Network as well. So we are talking a lot of good stuff here, and who better to talk it with me when my good friend, the director of Ghost Toasters, the author of Vendetta Dark, and the upcoming Congratulations, You Suck. He is the man, the myth, the legend himself, is Josh Peterson. How are you, sir? Good, good. You always make me sound so accomplished. I'm flattered. There you go. Much more accomplished than I, i tell you that right now. Hey, but, you had all this up. This is this is a big achievement right here. I, I could not control all this. Well, this it's hard. I'm, I'm telling you, it's 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 quite a task if, indeed. If, if I were in charge of the multiverse, it would probably shatter. There you go. <laughs> you know, going into an alternate universe. I was you know comparing it to Star Trek with Ruth Ra, but used you know having it in a, in another direction, like the Twilight Zone with Rod Serling there narrating. But that's that's uh you know needless to say that's. That's the PCC Multiverse on Fridays, but this is the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, and we're talking right now some good stuff. Recently, it came across my desk, the news that if fans are familiar with the great work Dune, uh, as far as the the sci-fi novel, uh, uh, and then obviously it turned into a, I don't know if you want to call it cult classic, campy classic, you know, what have you, just... Um, maybe it was a big budget bomb at the, at the box office at the time, but somehow gained uh, quite a bit of notoriety over the years, uh, because of its, uh, you know, uh, different type of, uh, flavor as opposed to the, you know, normal sci-fi genre. And then USA network, or is it sci-fi network? The sci-fi network, uh, had their own remake, uh, within the past 10 years in regards to creating a new, uh, you know, miniseries out of it but lo and behold somebody wants to go ahead and make it again in their own you know reimagining and their own vision and who should do it but josh's own favorite director of one of the movies he he so looked forward to last year and i'm kidding when i say that Uh, i watched it the other day it's called the arrival uh it's nominated for best picture and it's uh director uh dennis villeneuve uh, if I could say that correctly, uh, is actually been tapped to be director of this new project. Um, I wasn't so harsh on the uh, the arrival as he was. And if you want to see Josh's thoughts, check it out on his review at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Uh, he's got some very pointed reasons why he wasn't as high on the film as, as a lot of the the more... Well, the, the well-known um, scribes that work as far as film reviews are concerned. but Film snobs. Yeah, well, there you go. Film snobs, I guess, is probably the best way he's saying it. So I ask you, Josh, A, are you excited about a Dune revival? Because I'll watch it, but I'm not exactly overjoyed that it's out because I kind of 
I kind of have a little place in my heart, a place in my heart for, you know, the, the original Dune movie. And, and especially when Sting is walking around with a knife in his hands, I will kill him. I will, I will kill him. And, uh, you know, it was, to me, that was just, you know, campiness at its finest and, and Patrick Stewart, you know, being in there and just, just some really, uh, you know, it's cheesy. It it's, but it's fun. And I, I just, that's what I got out of it. I enjoyed it. And it's to me, it was popcorn fun, but your thoughts on a Dune re- remake. And then second of all, you know, appointing Dennis Villeneuve from the arrival as its director, who's actually also helming. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's going to be good because I am looking forward to this one. The Blade Runner's sequel. Yeah, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Villanueve? 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 Okay, let's just call him Villanueve for now. Um, I think it's Villanueve, but not going to check into that. That that sounds right to me. All right. uh, Yeah, Dune. Like I, like you're saying, the the original movie is a classic, and that was a very good Sting impression. yeah, I, I, I'm not stoked about it. I'm not like, when I read it, I didn't like jump for joy that they were making this. I get why they're making it, but I, it's not like, because it, it has the potential to be a really big franchise. Like, but as you've said before in Hollywood, what old what is old is new again. Yeah, that's or will true. become new again. That's true. Because I think that Dune's success is going to lean heavily on the success of Blade Runner 2049 because if new fans are willing to give us like an old movie, uh, even though it's a sequel, uh, a chance to go watch and if they like something like that, that's going to really predict how Dune is going to do because Dune is kind of one of those movies that are is has its cult following. The you know people from older generations love it, but will people from newer generations want to watch it. That's going to be the big trick is drawing them in because even the books are really old. The books are classics, but they're, they're really old. So, I mean, do you, let me ask you this. Do you think that a movie like this could appeal to a younger generation of fans? Well, that's, that's a good question because even though the book is relatively famous and has been relatively, you know, read, by a great number of people over the years, I'm sure its popularity has not held strong like other books. You know, obviously 1984 is since the election has done huge uh, business and it's been selling out everywhere. Reprintings are now made in mass because of it, but Dune, you know, it does have its audience. Um, the fact that, yeah, it was a box office dud, but I did say it got a revival on home video those years in home video were the tape videotape and, and just infancy of the DVD era. Uh, it does not include the Blu-ray or I mean, Blu-rays are out, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not held up there either. So the Dune's time as, as you know, a classic or a, a re, you know, a film that, that, you know, people now look on fondly that time has passed. Um, so it's basically almost an unknown entity. I mean, the sci-fi channel got its got its remake in there a few years ago, but it's not at the level of of you know notoriety that that a major motion picture would get. So, I it's your guess is good as mine. I think it's in the, all in the packaging. Let's see the first trailer. Let's see how it goes. But you're right, Dennis Villeneuve's uh, you know imprint on it may be dependent on how this Blade Runner sequel does. 
But then again, you've got Harrison Ford leading the charge and something that he's been very passionate about. And obviously Blade Runner has held stronger. Remember, those two movies were made around the same time frame. So and that movie, Blade Runner, has held stronger um, as far as with audiences and with notoriety and pop, pop culture more so than Dune has uh, in the last 20 years or so. So yeah, uh, at this point, it may be just like a fresh new entity to an audience that is not as familiar with it and to younger audiences who may not be familiar with it at all. Yeah, true. And I think Blade Runner, a lot of that success was on Ridley Scott because everything that he makes is somewhat profitable. And he, he has a, he has a reputation as I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, like with Dune, as soon as I mentioned Dune, for some reason into my head popped uh, John Carter. Again, another movie based off classic novels that did not, I mean, per, maybe it was the marketing. Uh, there's a lot of different things blamed. It, it didn't do the numbers it needed to do, but you know, 300 uh, off the top of my head, I think, cause I did a report on it, 300 close to 350 in that range million worldwide. is nothing to sneeze at, but it was not enough for Disney to, to green light any series of its kind, which is kind of disappointing because I actually kind of have good feelings for that movie every time I see it. I know. I, I liked it too, but that's, that is what I'm seeing for Dune. So I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm I could be proven wrong. I'm hoping Villeneuve will uh, makes make magic here. But I, I'm not like super excited about. It. I'll go see it, but I'll, and I'll hope for the best. But I'm just I'm already prepared for the worst. Indeed. So so am I. I'm I'm very guarded about it. And as you and I have seen in the past three five years, when a movie company takes a property from the, I'd say, distant past, maybe 10, 15 years prior, that's very touch-and-go with more likely leaning that the movie may not be as successful. I mean, there's been a ton of movies even over the past couple of years that have reached out, Ghostbusters, uh, Zoolander 2. Uh, you know, there's been a number of films that have tried to, you know, be in next iteration but they waited too long and the audience have moved on. And, and that could, there could be a very well be a possibility for Dune as well, that the audience for it may have moved on. But then again, like I said, it, we'll see how the excitement is for the trailer. Um, if it's anything near what uh, Beauty and the Beast is, then, uh, you know, it, it could actually be something special because um, everybody knows, everybody's been excited for, for that movie to be made, uh, you know, years and years after the uh, animated film was made. So we, you know, there could be something else for Dune as well. And it was actually uh, in the in, or 2000, as far as the, the miniseries, that's how long it was made ago for me. It just seemed like a blip on the radar, not too long ago, but you know, that was uh, quite a bit ago. And uh, so I guess there is enough time between uh, as far as miniseries are concerned and also movie as well. So we'll have to see it's all in the presentation He's obviously got a lot of clout right now because of his Best Picture nomination for Josh's favorite, The Arrival. And uh, again, if you want to see his thoughts on The Arrival, just check it out at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So we'll have to wait and see. So uh, any last thoughts before we head on out? We appreciate again, uh, Josh, you you checking back in with us and and uh, you know telling us more about you know what's going on with Final Fantasy. 
uh, because we just played that earlier in the podcast. So we just truly appreciate it. Uh, you know, everything was going on there. So your thoughts on, on what was talked about as far as Final Fantasy concern or anything we've talked about today before we head on out? Yeah, um, as far as Final Fantasy goes, they, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they just had their 30th anniversary. And, you know, while they didn't really reveal anything super exciting, I feel like there's a lot of great things on the horizon for that franchise, especially considering the success of Final Fantasy 15 and what a loyal fan base that it has. So there's, uh, you know, E3. Let's just let's let's hope for some good things there. Indeed, uh, I hope for some good things for the Final Fantasy series as well. And for your gaming podcast, uh, definitely, uh, you know, looking hopefully more for, for that in the future. So we truly appreciate you you allowing us to to have some time with that footage indeed. How can they get more information on how to uh, get those gaming podcasts that you're doing? Similar to what, you know, the Game Source podcasts we've done and whatnot, and then also the great Double J Filmcast and also the musical podcast about music podcasts as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from the, Chad and Travis, I forgot. From Chad and Travis of Hyperschmidt. And uh, yeah, there there will be a new, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I can release these weekly. So there will be a new Chad and Travis's musical show about music uh, coming at you on Monday. There will be a new Double J film cast, hopefully by Wednesday. And as for the video game podcast, th- this has been like, I, I've been parts of uh, like a lot of, po- been a part of a lot of podcasts, but this has been like the most, strangest one I guess you can say because nobody who's on it can decide on a name and that has been the biggest pain in the backside but I think we're getting close and the first episode is going to be released next week so you can see that on Pop Culture Cosmos, uh, Humanican Media which is launching also uh, so you can check it out on YouTube, Facebook, it'll be all over the place and we'll let you know more as that comes. So that's great indeed to hear about the No Naming Gaming Podcast, uh, as far as that that you could say, so at this point in time. But look forward to that indeed. He'll be uh, releasing it shortly into the wild, but we glad we got a taste of it there. And, and also your thoughts on the Final Fantasy series and as it hits its 30th anniversary indeed. So for Josh Peterson, uh, this is Gerald Glassford. Make sure you check out again us on the the podcast radio network 10 30 eastern 7 30 p.m pacific also as well we're on the eso network tangible network uh good gunny geek network itunes i want to thank them as well um podcast.com stitcher google play mixcloud just just a bevy of audio outlets that you can get this show and also the PCC Multiverse, which has a plethora of great, great segments indeed. You want to check that out every Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network as well. And all those other outlets, you can catch that show as well indeed. So for Josh Peterson, any last thoughts on what else you're, you're cooking up? Oh, yeah. Hey, Ghost Toasters Episode 3 is just on the horizon. And if you're curious about it, there is a short teaser up on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So, uh, you know, stop by, share it if you'd like. You can even click like on the page and we will love you even more for that. So, Indeed, it's right there in the video section. You can't miss it. Exactly. So uh, I thank you all for your continued support and I hope to have some good stuff for you in the future. 
Uh, sounds great indeed, and I do as well. So make sure you catch this show and also as well the PCC Multiverse to get the latest info on all that good stuff. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate everything out there that you do for us. We truly appreciate you listening. And, uh, well, you know, I'm going to say it's another beautiful day in paradise here at Pop Culture Cosmos. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. As a special bonus for those downloading and streaming the show via one of our great audio outlets, we are adding an episode of the latest Game Source podcast for you to enjoy. So sit back and relax, and thanks again so much for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. What's up, world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. They, 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 insert here. Yo. It's a terrible game, bottom line. It's terrible in every way. Graphically, it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, angry Nick mad. That game sucked, and it's gonna suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Oh, angry Nick mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazari. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and said, yeah, I'm gonna pass. But oh, yeah, so I do. It's me, precisely. No, no. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No. No. Yeah, I'm you guys are so I don't- cute. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent, Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point. Always be radical. I love you, little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of the new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes. You will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like, JRPGs have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh, my God. God, I want to bang my head into a wall. It's a podcast. Can someone remind me? I thought it was a video game podcast. Yeah, I'm listening to the Game Source podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we are live once again from the also as well, Game Source. Want to thank you again for listening to us. We are again available every Monday night, well, ten or ten thirty Eastern, seven or seven thirty Eastern, uh, on the Podcast Radio Network. We truly appreciate John allowing us on the network. But uh, sometimes the previous show runs a little long, so we apologize for that. But yes, between ten ten thirty Eastern time, seven seven thirty Pacific Standard Time. The Podcast Radio Network. We also want to uh, thank uh, also all of our other networks that we are available on. The Tangent Bound Network, the ESO (laughs) Network, uh, the Gunna Geek Network. We're also available for download. And you can subscribe today to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com. And our latest three episodes are now available, again, as always, on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So I'm here with a couple... 
great, great people, some good friends of mine. You know him. You love him. He is the co-owner, along with Nicole Calgazian, of Retro City Games, the leader in gaming in here in Southern Nevada. His name is Douglas Hoyabu. Hola. Hola. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. How are you? I am well. I'm well indeed. Uh, and as my other guest today, we have the man, the myth, the legend. Again, he's back for more. He is one of the co-conspirators in creating Pop Culture Cosmos as well, along with Douglas. Yes, you are. You get, you get some of the blame. <laughs> okay. As, as if that's a punishment. <laughs> It's a burden I must bear. Yes. We all have our cross. It is Rob McCallum. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for uh, inviting me back. Well, we are here once again. Like I said, it is a collaboration between Retro City Games, Wine, Women, and Words, the leader in literary podcasts, available now on YouTube, podcast.com, and Google Play, Mario Party Wars, those crazy kids from UNLV. Check them out, Mario Party Wars, on Facebook. Because uh, they have a great time indeed in all video games and also as well board gaming as well. Game Source, the leader in everything information in regards to the video game world. Check them out, Game Source on Facebook and also Game Source on Twitter. And this man, he's going to tell you what he's got on his plate at robmccallumfilms.com. Wow, just the standard stuff, Nintendo Quest. If you go to nintendoquest.com or robmccallumfilms.com, you can uh, score yourself a set of Blu-ray, which has all the bonus feature stuff, three discs, packed full of material of course the power tour as well a follow-up series which of course you've seen and reviewed uh and just lots of stuff going on man just 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 lots of stuff and and, and you get to see this mug in the power tour there it's you go true story this guy here and this one too as That'll well and this one here <laughs> yes yes so take a look for that and it's available today through robmccallumfilms.com check it out all of his great projects he's gone on the queue so uh, that leads us into more gaming stuff today. I want to talk about uh, virtual reality. Virtual reality, this is the year supposedly that virtual reality was here on the scene. That virtual reality would explode into the universe and into the minds and consciousness of the entire consumer base of, of the entire world. And while PlayStation VR has come out okay uh, to, to uh, some critical reception and also to big favorite for... You know, Doug, as he explained in one of our previous episodes, which you can catch uh, at any time available on any one of our outlets. I want to talk a little bit, is VR here to stay, or has there been too much hype given to it? Because the Oculus Rift, the Vive, the only thing I really see advertised prominently these days and obviously promoted is the lower end or the lower priced virtual reality experiences from both Samsung and Google. Well, I'm going to pause right here. I'm going to let Doug, you're going to jump in the hot seat here because I think you've got a lot to share. And I don't want you marginalized on the side <laughs> Margin- of the frame. So we're going to we're going to switch spots here. You jump are, in the center. Are, are we really? Yeah, we're oh. going to do this. Okay. So you're on the hot seat. <laughs> you're on the hot seat. Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games is on the hot seat today. All right. So it's no secret I love VR. Um, it's been a hit with everybody I've shared it with. Um, I think the sales numbers kind of show that. That I mean, it's outpacing both of its competitors. I mean, you know, from time of launch to time of now, um, it sold last time I saw over five hundred thousand units at launch. Um, so I know that number is higher now. I don't really see it in stock anywhere, and when it is, it's not for very long. Um, friends we have that work at GameStop and stuff say, as soon as they get one in, they have a list of people to call and sell it to. Um, I know over Thanksgiving, both my family and a couple other people I know that have it, 
it was a huge hit. I mean, everybody wanted to play it. Um, I think it's lacking on AAA titles still, but I don't see that being an issue in the, in the long run. Um, so I, and, and I, Ger- I, Gerald, me, you're, you're of a different mindset by the looks of it, Gerald. You're already <laughs> you're giving me the skeptical eyes right now. <laughs> well, the PlayStation VR, I guess, is the most approachable for if you want a a like you like you said before a very good to almost great VR mm-hmm. experience. The, the Oculus Rift and the Vive, they've just priced themselves out of the market. And, well, and after the failure of the Oculus Rift launch, as far as you know, not even providing its own backers with uh, timely shipments, it's pretty much you know, disappointing to me in that, end, in that end. And like I said, the only thing that we really see promoted today, you know, after the, all the hype initially began, is the lower-priced experiences you see from Google and Samsung. Well, I think it's because it's the most approachable. I mean, everybody has a smartphone or some sort of, you know, s- smaller device that they can use for those um, those avenues for VR. Um, I think the reason PlayStation, you know, did better than its competitors was just because, like you said, the price point. It's not just the price point of the actual unit itself and the entry cost. It's not everybody has a PC that can handle it. And especially on the PC market, there's such varying... You know, specs and prices of things that you need that I think it makes it unapproachable for the average consumer. If you look at somebody and say, you already have a PS4, buy this and you can use it, that makes it really easy and really, it's really approachable. And I think in the long run, that's why it's doing so well. Well, the PSVR is the most comfortable headset uh, by far of any of the units. And I know with CES, you know, coming around, another hot topic will be everybody trying to either bring out their own VR experiences or try to support the uh, VR experiences that are out already. Uh, Rob, we've shared our thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on virtual reality? Is it Was it too much hype brought into this year, you think? No, I, I think it's a very exciting uh, thing that we're finally there, and everybody that has experienced it seems to, to like it to varying degrees. I mean, I don't think all gaming is going to go in that direction, and I don't think it should. I think it should be like a special experience. Just, you know, it reminds me sort of like, okay, everybody loved the Wii, and then all of a sudden you had the PlayStation Move and the Xbox Connect, but they were just, you know, just kind of little sections of those other libraries, and that's where it should have kind of just stayed. I don't think everything needs to be VR, but kind of like what Doug was saying about PCs and VR, the price point, even though it, like they may have a PlayStation 4, is a little high for people. And so right now you're only getting like the top 10% of gamers that can afford to make that plunge to something that doesn't have AAA support yet. I mean, I was really interested in but when I looked at the games, I was like, there's nothing really that is, you know, a must-have yet for me. So, Like, for instance, the X-Wing, X-Wing experience, it's great, but it's really short. On Battlefront, you mean? Yeah, Battlefront. It's very short. Yeah, okay. It's excellent. Like, I, I feel like I'm in Star Wars. Like, it's fantastic. Is it better than the Battle Pod? Yeah. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I, I promise you. No, it's not. When, so, when you like slap the, your when, mouth. When the ATAT comes walking up and you, you like feel the weight and like the gravity of the situation, how enormous it is. Like it, it's pretty awesome. So I ask you this: <laughs> What do you think it will take to get VR on all realms a little bit uh, more into the stream of, of normal, average consumers' consciousness? Uh, because, like I said, I'm, I don't think they've really. Despite the success of the PlayStation VR, I still don't think that, that the average consumer has bought in 100% into VR. I think part of what needs to happen is better advertising on the, the other 
things that VR supports besides gaming. Um, you know, there's concerts you can do. Uh, the NBA announced that they're going to be doing one game a week in VR where you can be courtside. Um, there's museum tours you can do, which are pretty impressive. There's even, I mean, there's even concerts where it's like the Hatsume Miku games where you can sit live at a like an, an anime idol concert. Not live, but you can sit yeah. there and be in the, you know, there's a lot of other things besides just gaming. And I think, like you were saying, it should kind of be on, not on the fringe, but it should be a niche of gaming. And I think it could be a niche of a lot of different things. I mean, if you could visit the Louvre in VR, I mean, I think the average person would find that intriguing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it needs to go more social. I mean, Facebook bought, what was it, Oculus Rift or whatever? Yes. Yeah. So when are we going to see like the implications of that purchase roll out where you know, maybe we're just having a VR chat or there's other people there? And how is that going to be a, a more enhanced experience that isn't all about processing power or, or developing something new? I think when we see the social side uh, catch up to where, where the hype is, and when we get like an original AAA title that offers an experience that we haven't ever seen before, then it's really going to kind of be the two-tier uh, impact. To, to me, um, Eve Valkyrie was the closest to that that, I, that I've played so far, where um, it's, it's basically you're, you're, you're playing as a Eve-like fighter pilot, you know, the Eve MMO, yep. Eve Online. Well, you're playing as one of those pilots, and it's 16-player multiplayer. And so you are playing against other real people, and it's it's dogfighting in space, and it's pretty interactive. The problem is, that's all it is. Am so, I gonna am I gonna get slapped if I think that No Man's Sky should be a VR project? No, I 100 percent agree, and uh, I, I don't see why they couldn't add support. I think after the uh, rocky launch that it's had, and all the bad press that it received for, in many people's eyes, not delivering on what it promised, I think that's a great step for it to go into as far as to try and reclaim or salvage some of that PR bad hit that they took initially. I feel like uh, I, don't know, I feel like No Man's Sky was like a, a bad presidential candidate and couldn't fight off all of the... Are we going to call this well, No, 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 in the, in the sense... <laughs> no. No, no, that's kind of worse than it was. That seems to be the, the theme of... Uh, that seems to be a bigger theme than VR in 2016. Well, okay, well, my, my issue with it is a lot of what people said they promised wasn't what they actually said. It was what people wanted it to be. It was a space sim resource management. I'm just not saying anything. <laughs> and to me, something like No Man's Sky delivered on what it was. I just couldn't... I was expecting a little more depth in what I could do with those resources. That was my biggest issue. Was I had all this money, and I'm like, what do I do with it? God, you had and a lot I of can. money? I never had enough money. <laughs> But I would lo- I would honestly love a No Man's Sky VR because it is all yeah. about the exploration. So anything that can further put me on a planet to enjoy the surroundings, yeah. even though all the planets are like five shades of gray from one another, there's still enough variables that made the touching down. You know, it made you wonder what you were going to see, and to see that in a virtual reality scope would be have great. You, have you played since the update? No, I heard the update was great. Though. It, it's great. It adds like um, modular base building, uh, customizable ships. Cool. And could you imagine, like, like with VR implemented, what you could do on a customizing level? That'd be great. If you had something like a, a Minecraft level of customization and building in a world like that, where you could literally manipulate the world, that'd be fantastic. Or even what's... um. Well, I think Call of Duty. If Call of Duty, I know their sales are down as far as that's concerned. Oh, God. And I know if that they ever stepped into, especially with the Advanced Warfare, um, you know, the, the titles that they're coming out now with Advanced Warfare, if they went into VR, maybe that's a step in the right direction for the series. I would agree with that. Um, I think we need, like, a AAA shooter. That was the one thing that was kind of lacking. One of my favorite um, things was actually in the VR worlds. Um, I guess so it's, like six demos, I guess. Yes. They're, 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 they're more than a demo. I mean, they're a couple hours each, but 
I mean, like the underwater one, you're in a cage underwater. Is it, is it the version of Nintendo Land? God, yeah, I would say it's kind of like a Wii Sports, where you get you get a full game. But it doesn't have that. But killer... is there is there a big is there is there a huge amount of longevity in that? It, but there's one called Heist, and it's all first person. Okay. And that was my favorite by far. And I'm, I'm normally it, it plays like a generic shooter. Don't get me wrong, but it was picking up a magazine off the table and having to actually shove it in the bottom of the gun. Sure. Like you couldn't miss it. It added that new level of precision and, and tactical feeling to it, where you could literally shoot behind you while looking in front. I mean, it, I could see in a multiplayer Call of Duty like that could be. Yeah, I mean, it could change everything. It's always a happy time here at Retro City Games, as you can hear in the background. <laughs> it's going to be fun to edit. <laughs> um, yeah, it just as far as but that because it also reminds me of the Getaway, uh, as far as yeah. with Heist is concerned. So they're actually very similar, just third person versus first. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So there's just some great things to look forward to in VR. While I'm not exactly on the hype train as of yet, I know Doug is, and I'm going to take him at his word that VR has a long way to go. If you have any thoughts on the VR scene, you can always send us a, uh, a message at, at Pop Culture Cosmo, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, or popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And I, once again, I want to make sure everybody goes to Retro City Games on Facebook to enter the contest today. Your choice. Leave a comment below your choice on exactly the best video game of 2016, and we'll be picking a grand prize winner that will get the German edition of Nintendo Quest and also a $100 gift card to Retro City Games, the leader in video games in Southern Nevada. I hope Tiny Rails gets uh, some, some shout-outs. Do you guys know about Tiny Rails yet? Yes, we do. Oh. Just came out. So, so Tiny Rails came out today. It's from Tiny Titan Studios, which our good friend Glenn Stanway works with, our other friend Jeff Evans. They've released Dash Quest. They've released uh, Happy Death Cube Arena. And Tiny Rails is like a train sim. So you inherit your family's train company, and you get to add different cars, and you get to like monitor passenger satisfaction, and you've got to go city to city. And when you shut your phone off, your train is still traveling. So And it's all mapped out on, on a scale. I don't know if it's like 1 to 20, so every minute I think is an hour of travel time. So if by train it takes you know 15 hours to go from Toronto to Florida then it's going to take you know 15 minutes on your phone. So every time you basically pick up your phone, you can be in other places, you unlock different depots, you can go to Europe through train tunnels and stuff. It just seems like a huge, fun resource sim management game, which, talking about No Man's Sky, we love, and you can have futuristic-looking trains, old-school Western-looking trains. Which, which, I don't know why I love those kind of games so They're much. They're fun! I know, but to me, it's on paper, it's, you explain that to somebody, and it sounds so tedious, but once you experience once it, in it, and you it's start like, getting creative you're, you're with like, what you can do, you're yeah. like, I'm going to be the master of everything. <laughs> so I, I hope people give Tiny Rails a shot. It's free to play, iOS and Android Store, of course, so check awesome. that out. Check it out. Tiny Rails on iOS and Android. It's a great game. You want to check it out? It debuted today as we are taping this podcast. So check it out today. It's already available. Tiny Rails on iOS and Android. When we come back, we're going to be talking to the Nintendo Switch and what is the hopes for us with the Nintendo Switch coming up right after the break. We're changing the name just because <laughs> of that. <laughs> it's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month 
to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and we're back. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Retro City Games, also as well right here, represented by the co-owner along with Nicole Galgazian, it is Douglas Hoyaboo. And also as well, the man with the legend from RobMcCallumFilms.com, it is himself, Rob McCallum. Me again. There you go. We're back, and we just want to make sure everybody knows, get a chance to get out there and like Retro City Games on Facebook, the entire United States. Wow, Joe. I'm out. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You're you're ineligible for the prizes now, too. Somebody has a game store in Reno they like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Easy Carson City fanboy. (laughs) So Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch was announced. Uh, Video was shown. Everything was great on it. Uh, Was it? It looks like something Uh, that you could also play at home and also take on the road. A lot of fan interest for it because obviously it showed uh, the other night on on one of the late night shows. it, It... Debuted oh, yeah, the Tonight Show, yeah, yeah. Yep, it debuted the footage of, of Zelda. Obviously, the new Super Mario was shown as well in the video. Your thoughts on exactly what's going on with the Switch and what you hope it will be. And I'll start with the man that, uh, you know, has dealt a lot with Nintendo when you watch the movie Nintendo Quest, which you can get at robmccallumfilms.com. Rob, what are your thoughts on Nintendo Switch? Uh, well, it's it's really cool that people are excited about Nintendo again. Of course, they don't know what they're being excited about, so it's the potential excitement. But everybody was excited for the Wii. Everybody was excited for the Wii U. And then those units came out. I, the only thing, honestly, that I'm excited for when it comes to the Switch is that there's a consolidated library now. There's so many games on the DS and the 3DS that I've wanted to play, but I'm not a portable guy. I've tried, and I bought you know those handheld consoles for the one game, and because I'm stuck looking at a screen like, you know, this big, it's been hard to get into for too long. Yet I can play different games on my phone without an issue. So I don't know what it is, but now we're talking one library catering to both kinds of gamers that I can play in my house. And if I choose to go on the run, which I won't, then I can at least have those games with me. So that's the only thing that I'm looking forward to. As always, it comes down to the games. I don't care how fancy it is. I don't care what kind of gimmick it is. I don't even care about the tech specs. It can be completely underpowered. As long as there are good, fun games, that's all that's going to matter. Because the Wii U actually has some great titles. Yes, it does. But they, they were so sparsely... One per know, quarter? Yeah, one per Yikes. quarter. And, and it just they weren't supported by third parties as well as they should have. I know that's... that's it was only ever in a, uh, like a companion system, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it just went along great with your Xbox, your PS4, because one per quarter is enough for me to play and not get bogged down behind the releases that they have because there just weren't any. But I don't think consumers as a whole got behind it because of the fact that they weren't sure if anything else was going to come Well, they also it. weren't sure on what it was because is it the Co- Wii? Is it the Co- Wii U? Like, what is it? Consumers don't even know it exists to this day. Yeah. I have people that come in, and it used to be, oh, when's Nintendo going to come out with a new console? And now it's, oh, Nintendo's finally coming out with a new console. It's been a long time since the Wii. And I, the, yeah. the, the Wii U, people still, and this is the majority of the, the casual consumer base, don't know that the Wii U is a system. The people who have heard of it, and this is from, you know, at least me behind the counter, 
they honestly believe it's like the Wii Fit board. They think it's an attachment. They think it's an add-on. They don't think it's something they need. And that's that boggles my mind that a big company like Nintendo can get marketing of their main product so wrong. Because you see all the time advertisements continually supporting PlayStation 4, even from third-party games that are out. Same thing with Xbox and Xbox One. Yeah. You know, they, they continually are out there in the media, out there as far as advertising, continually supporting the games that are on their products. So what do you think is, needs to happen for Nintendo Switch to hit it big this coming year? Well, I mean, third-party support has always been like the, the death uh, nail in the coffin for the Wii U. They just didn't have any, which is fine because their first-party titles are why you buy a Nintendo They've either the really place. had it in, in Nintendo series, they've either really had it in spades, or have just not, have really just not had it at all. I they mean, need third-party exclusives, and I don't know any third-party publisher that's going to give them an exclusive that's going to be a great deal, because Nintendo probably won't give them a great deal, because it's Nintendo. Because I can think of only one, Bayonetta 2, on the Wii U, that it was actually really, really good, but the, nobody even, really cared about it. it, it they didn't, and it, it, it's it's probably one of the best games on the system, but the problem is they, they pulled it too short. I mean, that game became incredibly hard to find two months in. Yeah, and Nintendo tends to do that with a lot of their first-party stuff. They release it, they let people buy a bunch of it, and then you can't find it again until Nintendo Selects version. Yeah, how much do you know? How much longer? And by that time, people don't care. So, what do you think Doug, uh, needs to happen for the Switch to become I, successful? I agree 100 percent with Rob. Um, I like the idea of the consolidation of the library if they give us good games. Yeah, my issue is um, I don't think they're going to do that. I not not the good game aspect. I don't think they're consolidating their library. I think the I think they're going to kill the Wii U, which they obviously are. They didn't say they were going to. They said, we're going to have a third line. Well, they already stopped production on it. Exactly. But a month before that, they said, oh, it's going to be, the Switch will be a third product line, which we all knew was BS. I mean, yeah. any reasonable person. But I think the 3DS, with how well it sells, I don't think most consumers are going to want to, A, carry around that big of a device on, on a regular basis. No secret, I'm a big fan of the Vita, and I already think that's a little too big. That's a pain in the ass to carry around. Like, especially once I have a case on it, it doesn't fit in my pocket. I either have to have it in a bag or it just sits, like, on my passenger seat and hope I don't leave it somewhere. And Security tips from Doug 101. Well, no. And, and, <laughs> and, that, comes, and that comes from one of the last big supporters of the PlayStation Media, which, which you are. I'm a huge fan of it. It's it's the only hand. Oh, it's really the only handheld since the Game Boy Color that I really, like, got into and really, like, wanted to buy more games and really wanted to, to play consistently. But the good thing about the 3DS is it's durable. And how many consumers, and I know this might be stretching out a little bit, how many consumers are going to want to hand their 5, 6, 7, 8-year-old kid a $250, $300 console that they're going to carry with them? Dude, I see I see so many parents give their kids iPads, you know, and it's just as pricey. So I And cell phones. Yeah, and cell phones. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think it will be because that was already the thing. I mean, at least from my perspective that Nicole's family was already complaining about. She's like... When Nicole's mom found out it was a, a portable console, she was like, oh, that's going to get destroyed. That was the first thing out of her mouth. Well, that's more sales and, for Nintendo. Right? Exactly. But you think the controller is the way it snaps in? You think those actual pieces are like, you get lost underneath the couch or whatnot? And, and 
I, I I don't know. And even just the more the, sales for Nintendo. And even the durability of those snaps. I mean, what happens? You know, when that controller doesn't fit on there right anymore and things like that. And I know I'm being nitpicky, and I'm just thinking of all the well, I mean, things I, that could be. I don't know about anybody else. I'm just going to leave it in the dock and use the Pro controller That's, as much as oh, I can myself as well. But that that cuts out half of the functionality of what they're. Well, claiming. I'm okay with that. Just give me a good <laughs> game because if it's not a good game, I'm not going to care about the functionality anyway. But the average consumer is just going to buy it straight up and not get things in, or get the attachments right away. Most most of the average consumers just use the whatever's provided in the base console unit so they won't be as apt to maybe go and get the pro controller right away or whatnot and they're going to try and utilize the system as is out of the box which as like you said and like you're speculating could be an issue because it may be concerning to reattach that unit every single time well, and I was just getting back to I, I, I agree and, and most consumers really just want a plug and play option I think that's why the 360 did so well during its uh, time. There was nothing you had to, to touch on. That's why the PS4 is doing so well now. And I think that's part of the problem with the Wii U. With You have to use the tablet to manage everything. Yeah. You have to use it to turn it on. It just became so clunky and weird. That, But I'm hopeful. But I, getting back to my original point, I don't think that Nintendo is going to drop the 3DS line of games. I don't think we're going to see games. That... I think we'll see games ported at least to the Switch that come out on the 3DS. I agree. I agree. I think that, that the only thing the Wii U has done really well is, is provided their consumers with something really attractive, the Virtual Console. I think that's the one thing that they've really done well with that system, and I think they're going to take that and expound upon it with Nintendo Switch owners by providing an even wider base of games to go ahead and... It would be super from. smart if they offered like a dual purchase like PSN does with their uh, yeah. with their membership where like a cross-buy. So if you bought like a 3DS game, you got like on your Nintendo Switch. That was, that was actually one of the things that made me push me over the edge to buy a PlayStation All-Stars. When we were looking at it, I'm like, I get it on my Vita and... I'm banging on tables making editing hard for Gerald. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, the, getting it on the PS3 and the Vita was a great, like, I'm like, oh, that, it's a no-brainer. I'm getting both versions. Uh, why Even on I the PlayStation that? Free Games of the Month, that there's one that does a cross-buy that's free, people can actually get both versions free yeah. of charge. Mm-hmm. That, you, that's a great What do you guys thing. make of the marketing where like their commercial showed nothing but adults? There was no kids shown in that big launch trailer. Kids don't touch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though? Like, are they, Stay are away we, from it! Are we really going to have, like... Adult-themed games or, or games for stuff that are just adults or they're targeting the nostalgic gamer? Like, what, is, what does that mean? I mean, clearly they've made an effort not to show families playing, which was their push for the Wii and the Wii U. Now it's just, like, the single adult or, like, you know, the married couple without kids. The, the closest thing The was roof the, parties with Madeline, who just has to keep bringing that thing. The closest <laughs> thing was the teens right, that were gathering around the park with uh, playing, playing basketball. A, NBA yeah. 2K, yes. So. Waiting for the ball to bounce and smash the thing on the <laughs> table. Um, I don't think we'll see too many first-party Nintendo like mature or like adult games. I just I, it, we haven't in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, I, I don't see them. They didn't show any off if they were. I mean, they showed Skyrim. But what are we going to hear on January twelfth? Price point pack in is Splatoon a pack in? That's what the big rumor is. Is that going to be enough? Which okay, version? blown over with passion. Which, 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 which version? Uh, the existing version, maybe an upgraded form as far as from the Wii U, or are we talking a, a new Splatoon 2? It seemed to be this existing version with more story mode is what I had read somewhere. That's well, not enough. That's kind of my issue too. You have Splatoon 
um, that looked the same, Mario Kart, which looked exactly the same. I think, I don't want it to become a system of ports. And right now they're showing, you know, Skyrim. They've well, let's be honest, support. there's a ton of Wii U games that are good. There's at least oh, there 20 are. Wii U games, and if those got ported to the Switch, a system that people seemingly want now, well, that, it wouldn't be horrible. Well, that's but what I was you... talking about, the virtual console concept, because that's the thing they've done well on the Wii U, and I know they're going to expound upon it to bring out a whole bunch of series that are available. I believe they'll bring out a whole bunch of series that's going to be available on the Nintendo Switch. Well, and that's 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 fine, and that's great for a new customer that didn't buy the Wii U. But somebody who already had a Wii has a Wii U. Are they going to buy a whole new console to get a couple extra hours of Splatoon? Well, it would and help. I mean, it would give them something to play, right? No, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, and I, again, I, is there a cross buy? Is there a way that you can scan a barcode or you know connect to your Nintendo account where you've registered your coins or whatever and get downloadable versions or? I mean, the, the big, you speak of virtual console, the rumor is GameCube is coming, finally. Yeah, the GameCube exactly. Library. That's, and that's what I... Finally. Finally. But, and it, but it, you know, I think is that enough? Like, are we going to get new games or just be stuck on games I think that That's what I'm worried about. I think eventually you will get the Wii U games on there. Because right now, the only big thing they've shown that, that looks new... Is the Mario game. Is Mario. It's and it's Zelda, it looks cool. Well, Zelda, but I mean, is that ever going to come out? I'm, I'm joking. That might kind of be like a Last Guardian type situation. Five years from now, I hope it's coming hope, soon. Hope for Nintendo fans, it's <laughs> ten years no, I'm from joking. now. I'm, I'm joking. No, it's um, I, so a, a new Mario and a new Zelda. There's nothing fresh. There's nothing a new Mario different. game is always a difference maker, right? It, it it is enough for everybody to buy a console. Still, I loved Mario 3D World. I thought it was great. I couldn't get into it. I loved Mario Maker, but I hit this point where I was playing it every day and then just stopped. I was just kind of done. But that's most games, I find. No, but, but I mean, I, I didn't even, like, kind of, like, want to go back to it, ever. It's one of those things, like, I... It, it didn't have that, like... It didn't have that story arc or that experience. I... You know, there's levels, like, remember pieces, like, going, oh, that's cool, but I don't remember any, like, standout levels, like, oh, well, my God. Well, all my levels. Yeah. Anyways. No. <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot to look forward to, indeed, when it comes to Nintendo Switch. Uh, January 12th is going to be a big day, and all eyes in the gaming world will be upon Nintendo to see if they'll actually come through and produce a console that is going to be really, really, you know, people are going to really, really get behind as far as the gaming community, and not just Nintendo really hardcore that's going to be embraced by the entire community as well. Well, I think price point is going to be that, that big factor, too. Oh, if it always get, is. If we get a 250 price point, I think... A sub two fifty price point, I think it'll sell like crazy. Yes, I agree. I think three hundred, we might. I think it'll probably come out at two ninety nine. What kind of storage do you think it might have? Thirty two gigs again, <laughs> but it'll probably have an. You know, you'll be able to plug in a hard drive, official Nintendo branded proprietary connection hard drive, which we'll just wait for a third party person to make a <laughs> connector. That that to me would be disappointing if they don't. You do just that. summed up everything, <laughs> right? So. It's it's kind of true. I mean, we're. Are we really like SD cards? Like, still, that's what we're using for our main storage on our Nintendo products is SD cards. Like, oh, it sucks. At least it's not optical media, right? It's something cool to collect. And... Which I've been saying for a long time that I that I honestly thought optical media was going to die this next generation. Not digital, just games coming on on an SD style format. That's I mean, you can cater the size of the cart for the the game you're yeah. coming out with. I mean, there's no, um, there's no read. It's, 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 it's no caught up speeds. to it finally to yeah, go back to a physical thing without it being like ridiculously cost. You won't have the failure rate. Yeah. I mean, it'll make consoles more durable, smaller, quieter. I mean, it's, I think it's nothing but a good thing. 
Well, I think that's a lot to look forward to. And like I said, all eyes will be upon Nintendo come January 12th when they will officially debut the Nintendo Switch to a, a larger audience and we will get to see what Nintendo Switch is all about. So, and, and like I said, when that comes about, we're actually going to be right here back at Pop Culture Cosmos sharing our thoughts on exactly the future for the Nintendo Switch. So when we come back, we're going to take a look at the some of the best games coming out in 2017. What are these guys' thoughts on where uh, what the top games they think will be out, what the top games they, they are looking forward to, and what are some gaming predictions they have in 2017 coming up right after the break. Hey everyone, if you are looking for the latest news in movies, TV, video games, sci-fi, comic books, pro wrestling, technology, esports, and more, look no further than Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter. Each week we provide hundreds of stories across the internet, bringing you closer to the latest news and information in the pop culture world. Stop by, and while you're there, like us and follow us today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. All right, and we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Ah! <laughs> Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Once again, check us out. Podcast Radio Network, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Tangent Bound Network, ESO Network, Gun and Geek Network. Uh, all those great networks, they have a great lineup on each and every one of them. So you want to check out all their podcasts on all those great networks. And we truly appreciate being part of them. If you get a chance and you want to hear us on the go, subscribe today on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and also podcast.com. You can do that and you'll get an episode downloaded to you each and every week. Well, I'm here again with my good friends, Rob McCallum from robmccallumfilms.com, and also as well from Retro City Games, it is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Douglas Hoyer. Douglas Hoyer, because I you know, I said man, myth, the legend on, on the previous one for Rob. We can't both be a myth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we can. Why not? Dual myth. Oh. You know, you know what I'm disappointed that slipped 2016? What's that? And it's a good segue into our, our next topic, South Park. There you go, fractured butthole. Yeah, that sh- slipped to 2017, and that's the only game I can think of coming out next year, which is ironic given that you want me to talk about the games I'm excited for next year. Yes, and we are excited indeed for, for a lot of great games coming out in 2017 and gaming predictions that we have, uh, starting with that right there, the fractured butthole uh, was a December release, supposed yeah. to be, uh, and then just got pushed back. But I've got a couple that I'm going to throw out there, and I threw okay. it, I threw out some. You know, I'm going to throw out some with Josh as well. But um, Battlefront Two, Battlefront Two uh, is hopefully going to expound better on the Battlefront universe than than the. There's a sequel first. coming out already. I feel like it just dropped. They're going to be actually, well, actually, the uh, Rogue One DLC just dropped. Yeah, but didn't Battlefield One just come out like in September? They're going to alternate each year. I mean. Uh, Remember, EA okay. only EA only has a Star Wars license for so long, so EA is going to try and put in mix in Star Wars uh, actual games coinciding with the actual 
numbered Star Wars releases uh, from what I'm able to ascertain. So I know they're talking... They're going to do uh, Battlefront 2. They're also talking about uh, debuting in a couple years as well. The Amy Hennig from Uncharted, her, sure. her Star Wars adventure. I know uh, it's a couple more. I think Criterion may be doing this one as well. I'm not, you know, they're, they're, they've got a whole bunch going on the pro- uh, because they've got a limited run uh, contract with uh, with obviously Lucasfilm on that. So they got to try and you know make the money on that. So I'm definitely looking forward to Battlefront 2. I know it will include a campaign because I know that's the one thing everybody seemed to be uh, uh, harping on. Well, is, parallel with Titanfall, right? Everybody yeah, exactly. kind of complained that Titanfall 1 didn't have a story mode. And it was fine for whatever for the purists, but what did they want to add for Titanfall 2? Story mode. And didn't they do that? They Indeed. did. They did. And it actually got larger critical acclaim because yeah. of it. So it was a better gaming experience overall. Um, another game I'm looking forward to, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I haven't played any Mass Effects. I know I'm, I'm one of the three people in the world who hasn't played any. My goodness. Uh, so be it. Well, I'm hoping EA will also just... I know they're not not really super high on, on doing uh, refurbished games as far as re-envisioning, reimagining, but I do hope that they go ahead and package the Mass Effect trilogy for the PS4 and Xbox One because I think that would be a really great way to go ahead and support Mass Effect Andromeda once it comes out. Okay. So that's that's a, another game coming out as far as it's concerned. Um, well, you're talk- we talked about the Nintendo Switch in the last segment. I mean, what about the games for coming out that you hope will come out for it? I hope there's a Mario game. What I read about the Mario game from this unknown online source that I'm sure can be trusted is that it's going to be much more like Mario 64. So Mario 3D World was much more an obstacle course in 3D space where you had a very linear path to follow with some deviations. Mario X, I guess it's being called or something like that, uh, is supposed to be much more of a 64 open world, uh, Mushroom Kingdom, Grand Theft Auto kind of... (laughs) Approach, I guess, a sandbox Mushroom Kingdom world, which sounds kind of fun, right? So it's I kind of when you said that, just you know, him going up, Mario running up and going with fireballs up. and like <laughs> torching little toads and stuff, <laughs> trying to get away from the the Koopas. Exactly, exactly. You know, just with an AK forty seven, just like well, I wasn't going to go that far, Gerald. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but hey, what do you what do you know? What do you know? What do you know? Uh, what do you know? But uh, also Zelda. What are your hopes as far as I know? We talked. Well, I hope about Zelda it. gets released in twenty seventeen. I know at this point, you never know. But it, I think it's going to be like November if it comes out. But when you're we're looking forward to that game coming out in quote unquote 2017, what are you expecting Zelda to to be as far as that? Besides, obviously, you know what was said during the the presentation um, that was shown was okay. Anywhere you can see, you can go, and that's great. But along the way, what can you do? Right? It's uh, they keep saying it's an open world Zelda. We've seen that. But it's got to be more than an open-world Zelda. Taking existing concepts and putting the Nintendo characters and landscape is not enough for that game to be a must-have for that system. And they want it to be a system mover. They know it, and they know that it's hurting their launch, the fact that it isn't a launch title anymore. So it's got to go above and beyond somehow. It's got to... I think it's got to be the kind of thing where adventure strikes at any moment that isn't part of like the main story. Uh, and it's really got to push people. So in the way that Doug and I love No Man's Sky because narratives just happen, you find yourself in a story yeah. that has happened because you've randomly sat down on an unknown point on a planet, it has to be the same thing in Hyrule. And you've you're got creating to, your own you're You have to create your own narrative. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's going to have to be memorable for people. And that's what's going to have to get a guy like me, who's typically not a fan of Zelda, 
to pick up that game. That and no water temple. I will not play that game if there's a water temple. It just won't happen. I'm not putting the boots on. I'm not taking them off. I'm not hitting the switches to raise the water level for your little enjoyment. I'm just not doing it, Nintendo. Uh, well, it also tells me that, yes, it's great that you know anywhere you can see on screen you can go to, but it's what you do along the way. To... The journey, not the destination. Exactly. So, so what challenges face you? Uh, is it just going to be oh this randomized monster coming at you attack attack attack? Is it going to be World of Warcraft where if you kill fifteen whatever then you get some weird reward like some like common thing or are the side quests and these random events that happen actually going to carry meaning and be intense enough to to keep you playing? So if you want to go to that volcano in the distance, how long is it actually going to take you? I think The Witcher Three to me actually did a great job of providing different narratives along the way as far as. Not just going and having random battles, not just that, but also you know getting involved in, in missions and stories that, that were separate from the main story itself. So I haven't played it yet. I heard it was a pretty good game, one game of the year and everything. Yes. I, I do own it, but I don't I haven't played it yet. I'm way behind, that's, I know. That's about, know. that's about 100 hours of your time right there. Well, I also have Skyrim that i got to play through, apparently, That's another too. 100 hours. It's, I don't, in my lifetime, I will not get through those games. Especially with all the DLC for The Witcher, right? That's correct. So are we, that's an interesting question. For Zelda to be big in 2017, are, is it going to be resuscitated with DLC? Will Nintendo finally actually embrace DLC to an extent beyond like Mario Kart racetracks and characters? Yeah, exactly. Will they provide something more meaningful, meaningful to the experience down the road so that people may... And like will a, that be a selling point before it comes? Not, like, is like it going to be... a season pass. Exactly. Is it going to be like a Destiny where you know that there's going to be three modules later that are optional to purchase but will expand the gameplay? Wouldn't it be great if you bought Mario X knowing that you not only get one Mushroom Kingdom adventure but you'll have three eventually that make up this world? Indeed. Indeed. Another thing I want to look forward to is the actual Xbox and the Xbox Scorpio. Uh, the high-powered machine, which is going to come out, at, hopefully, if all goes well, around holiday time. Uh, this, is it that far away? Is it a year away? Well, I'm talking September, October, whatnot. But, oh, wow. yeah, it is roughly that much. That much I though. thought it was out, to be honest. No, no, the Scorpio is not out Is it yet. just a slim version that's out right now? Yes, the Xbox, oh, okay. One, the Xbox One S. Um, See, that's what's confusing me, the Xbox One S and then Xbox Scorpio. Well, the Xbox One S is really good because it streams and it already plays a blue, you know, 4K Blu-ray and it streams 4K. So For all of us that have 4K yeah, TVs, and it's, of it's been available as low as this Black Friday pe period, this holiday period, 249 yeah. So when the Scorpion comes out, how much better is it going to be? And for the average consumer, again, like we've talked to before, talked about before, why are we going to have to need to get a Scorpio if we already have a great gaming experience? I don't already? think we will. I think anybody that doesn't have it that's looking for a purchase option will either hold off if it's only three months away. And it's going to be and, several teraflops worth of power and yeah. all this, so, which means to me a higher price. And if they have it right around even $400, $500, that still is going to be concerning because then we have a situation like we had with the PlayStation 3 where it just came out at too high of a price. Yeah, and I, I don't know anybody that's going to be the hardcore gamer. What game isn't going to run on the current version? And why, is Xbox really going to divide its audience yeah, I mean, by offering games that are only for the you know top 10%? No, yeah, and it won't because, like for instance, Crackdown 3, which is also scheduled to be in 2017 release, uh, something I'm looking forward to with the great destruction. Yes, it will look better on the Scorpio. It's going to be presented as looking best on the Scorpio. But that doesn't mean someone with the regular, you know, the original Xbox One or someone with the Xbox One S still won't have a great time in playing. Yeah, I mean, and I, 
I look at something like their Pro Controller that's 150 bucks. I don't know too many people that have paid for it. I know a couple people that have reviewed it and gotten one, and they say it's great. But $150 great? Unless you're like an, a really high-end gamer. A pro yeah, gamer I mean, maybe if eSports comes to Xbox and, you know, it becomes like, uh, you know, the go-to platform for something like that where precision is just that important. But until then, I don't know. So so with all that said, and we've talked about some games already that, are, that we're looking forward to in 2017. I'm hoping Red Dead Redemption 2 also uh, has a chance to, to be a 2017 release. We don't know because you know, with when you're talking about Rockstar, they're very secretive about whether they're going to be where it stands, where the game is coming out. Hopefully, we'll know by E3 2017 where if it's going to be a 2017 release. But if that game comes out, did you play? Red no, Red? I haven't played those. You didn't play RDR. No, my goodness. That's I know a, I'm behind the times. That's another vast universe that you need to explore because it's just this a, word need gets thrown a lot, around a lot in the world of video games. Yes, well, you should. Play. What I need in the world of video games is time. There you go. Fair enough. That that's probably the most important thing. But Red Dead Redemption Two is something again that a lot of people like myself are looking forward to. A great experience was the previous version, and I'm looking forward to Red Dead Redemption Two when it finally comes out. Hopefully in 2017 as well. So that's a lot of great titles that are coming out in 2017. But uh, your final thoughts on 2017? What you're looking forward to? Maybe the systems as a whole. Um, any games or, or what is it you're looking forward to as a gamer besides time on playing games in 2017? Just a memorable experience that lasts longer than the period that I'm playing. Um, I still think of South Park, uh, the stick of truth. So I'm obviously excited for the fractured butthole, but I just hope it's unique enough with still sticking to the same tropes that made the original awesome. And if they nail the humor like they did in the first one, it's the only game we'll honestly need to play next year. I agree. Because it, it was enough. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll that take, a, what, 30, 40, 50 hours of gameplay right there. Well, the first one was only 20 hours, right? So I have no idea how long this one's going to be. Right. So in 20 hours is, is just the perfect length for me. I can you know play for an hour a day, maybe a little less to do a mission and be done in a month and still get uh, complete satisfaction out of it. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us here on uh, this episode of Pop Culture Cosmos. Pop Culture Cosmos! That's right. Pop Culture Cosmos, indeed. If you get a chance, make sure you today you check out all the great stuff that's going on with RobMcCallumFilms.com. Once again, Rob, not only just the great deal they can get on Nintendo Quest, but... but Exactly. What's going on with RobMcCallumFilms.com? we got lots going on, of course. 20% off through the holidays for Nintendo Quest on Blu-ray, and that includes the series sequel follow-up, Nintendo Quest Power Tour, eight episodes, nine on the disc, lots of good stuff to check out there. 20% off with promo code NQ20, as in 20% off at checkout. There are ads up on our on our Facebook page, so check that out, Rob McCallum Films, and on the Nintendo Quest page. Uh, we just got a lot going on, and we're going to be shooting the Henshin Engine documentary very soon, a nice short 30-minute documentary or so. Big shout-out for Henshin Engine. So that'll be good, and uh, I just uh, um, looks like I got brought on to do a project that's very much the video game version of Clerk, so it'll be an actual narrative or a story um, with our good friends at Warp Zone, so we're going to start crafting that and hopefully shoot in about September or October of next year in the Columbus area, so... That'll be fun crafting that over the next five months as a script and then getting the production ready to do that. Uh, definitely looking forward to that indeed. Uh, and also as well, I want to make sure everybody out there gets a chance to to take a look at uh, Retro City Games on Facebook. Why particularly? Because, well, first off, Douglas and Nicole rock. They're awesome. They're, they're the gaming gurus here in Southern Nevada. Not just Southern Nevada, Carson City. 
<laughs> All in Nevada. Laughlin. Yeah. There you go. There's some competition for Retro City Games in Laughlin. There you go. It's a little on the edge, but I think Retro City Games still got. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. First off, uh, thank you for actually coming to interview us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Everything. No, it was my yeah, pleasure. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. So I just have a couple of questions, uh, kind of just regarding you yourself and also the event. Um, sure. So for the first one, um, what brought you out here actually to check in the fire? Like, how did you find out about it? Why did it interest you to actually be involved? Um, well, uh, it was first brought up to me by my management team. Uh, they were really excited about it, and they wanted me to participate. And they kind of told me a little bit about it, but. Um, I think the reason I chose to compete, I mean, besides obviously trying to, you know, win money, uh, is that this is actually kind of a, a big deal. Um, being able to do sort of an, an esports event that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to wrap around really serious competition and very, you know, skilled players, right. I think is sort of a, a novel idea, and I think that it can be entertaining. Um, I, the idea that personalities can get together and have like their own little fun competition and that be fun to watch is important, you know. And I think that that is a bit different than what people are used to seeing, where you get like League of Legends teams, you know, these crazy esports guys that have been practicing eight hours a day. It's this total opposite spectrum where it's like some goofy guys and girls that love to get in front of people and have fun. And you know, we do have some more competitive people, you know, there. But for the most part, we're here to have fun. And we're here to do our best, and and uh, I think that the the implications of that are exciting. So I wanted to be kind of part of that, kind of the beginning of that. So if this does take off, uh, which I think it will, um, you know, we can see more events like this uh, where it doesn't have to be so serious all the time and like these crazy events. It can just be fun. So awesome. Yeah, I would actually be the same. Uh, I mean, I only recently found out about this myself probably like less than a week ago. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of something interesting and I was given the opportunity to like come here and I'm like, oh wow, mobile games as an eSport, that's, that's different. So. It is different, but I, I, think, I think that the fact that they're not trying to make it serious lends itself to the casual audience, right? Right, and that's, so, that's, and that's, that's, that's where it leads into. Exactly, so uh, again, it's, it's, it's really interesting actually. Um, yeah, so yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, okay, um, so I guess, in regards to yourself, what, how did you get into video games, and was that in any way, shape, or form helped you like start your own channel, like when you first actually started? Oh well, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not much different than most of these guys. I mean, I started gaming when I was, you know, two or three years old, literally. I mean, my dad had an old school black and white Macintosh. And, you know, the kind that has, like, the monitor and the computer all in one, yeah, and it's like, not this tall. So it was, like, the Apple system? Yes, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, like, back in the day. And I used to play games like Dark Castle and Apache 5.0 and Art of War, or Ancient Art of War, like, these old games. And I remember my dad, I mean, seeing my dad playing some of them and me 
wanting to do everything my dad did. So I was like, let me try, you know, at three years old. And my dad's like, you're not going to understand this. You know? <laughs> uh, and so, like, I jumped on there. And within a week or two, I had beaten, you know, one of the games. And my, my parents thought I was a genius. Because this is when, like, computers first started out, you know. Yeah, so, like, exactly. They were like, what do we have here? <laughs> Some computer genius. Uh, which is not the case. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, and from there on, I just was obsessed with games. I was so obsessed, my parents wouldn't let me have a console until I was, like, 14. The console stayed oh, yeah. at grandma's house. So, like, at my grandma's house, they had, like, Nintendo and Sega and, like, stuff right. like that. I was allowed to have my Macintosh until games became obsolete on Macintosh because, you know, kind of flipped over to PC. Mm -hmm. And my dad got a gateway PC for uh, his business, and I, would, oh, nice. and I would jump on it and load my PC games. I was so excited. But he was like, this is a business PC. You can't do this. So I would sneak it all the time. He would, oh, I, would, nice. I would literally download games, play them, and then uninstall them before he got home. So he didn't know I was playing on his PC. Uh, but yeah, I think that kind of transi transition, uh, transitioned over to EverQuest when I was about... You know, I guess about 12 or 13 years old, EverQuest. Mm -hmm. um, before that, the first online game I played was uh, Warcraft 2 through TCP slash IP uh, connection. So I used to be part of like a clan and we would have sanctioned matches and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I was like 11, you know. Um, but I loved it. And uh, it was a fun time. But then I went to EverQuest, played EverQuest all through my teens. Yeah. My grades suffered tremendously for <laughs> it. Uh, and then it's just been MMOs and all sorts of variety games after that. I love, I love all games. It's, well, I can't say all games except for... I think the only thing I don't jump into is like car games, like racing games. Cars have never really interested me, so okay. like Forza and stuff yeah. like that. I don't really play those much, but pretty much anything else, I'm good to go. So, awesome. yeah. And so, like I said, did that help you actually like start your channel, like your gaming channel? Yes, yeah, it did. I, I do well in certain games, and I think that it's definitely been because of the history of gaming that I've done. I understand systems, I understand mechanics, I understand, you know, in my opinion, what makes a good game, what makes a bad game, and be able to explain that, you know, in, in such a way than just saying, I think it's dumb, you know. I can say, I don't like it, and this is why, you know, and I can reference other games and other, you know, right, things. Right, exactly. Exactly, so it definitely, because people... You know, they, they call us influencers, right? It's because people listen to what we say. We're in front of them and we give our opinion about a game. And then, you know, sometimes people won't purchase a game unless one of us recommends it or plays it a lot. They want to see us having fun with it. Um, so, yes, my, my history in games have made that a lot easier because I can articulate to them exactly what I'm feeling, exactly what I like, exactly what I don't like. And that makes it good for them. Um, because then they have a better uh, understanding of what they're getting into with purchases, which is extremely important for some people because a lot of people are on a budget and a lot there's a lot of early access trash out yeah. there, <laughs> and you gotta be careful, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that's the good thing about uh, you guys as uh, influencers for like a new medium such as YouTube that's been around only for a decade and providing feedback for other people to like consider purchasing decisions or maybe getting into new genres or something new yep. that they can start on their own. Yeah, so, and, they get to, and they get to kind of see the game in its entirety before that, you know, if they want to before they jump yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. That's cool, too. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? I think for those of us who understand what kind of implications and responsibility this has, I think we try very hard to stay as genuine as possible because it's important to me and also a lot of other broadcasters that 
we don't lose that credibility. So it's it's kind of this weird balance where you want to grow your audience and you want to you know have sponsors and you want to do this and mm -hmm. stuff, but you also want to remain organic. So yeah, it's, exactly. It's this really it's a balance, it, it is a balance, yeah. and everybody has their threshold. Um, so you know, on one end, on the you know, on the end of of the people, you know, there's streamers that take great care and the sponsors they take in and the games they play and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, but then on the other end, some of these guys are taking advantage of that too, you know, and it's, and we, we survive on integrity, you know, oh, and over so the last year, especially this year, we've seen a lot of integrity breakdowns of, you know, big time streamers. Um, so it's, it's a good thing as long as uh, broadcasters keep things in perspective, I think. Um, I would never want to lose that integrity because, you know, at that point, what are we good for people? They can't trust a word we say. Are we paid to say this? Are we not paid right, to say exactly. this? Right, so, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's um, again, it's, 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 a, it's a very cool thing. Uh, I just hope that, you know, most people realize what they have in their channels and how much people really listen to them and they don't get too greedy. <laughs> so. okay, yeah, and hopefully that never happens to you or to any, pretty much anyone now with that. No, nah, man, I'm going to sell out real quick. No. <laughs> <laughs> the first million dollar deal oh, comes through, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but cool, cool. But uh, actually, that leads into my next question then, as, and it, which would be, um, where do you see YouTube coming in five years into the future? Like, where do you actually see its direction going? See, I mostly stream on Twitch, so I don't really, I mean, YouTube I use is almost like a, like a library or like a catalog of my streams mm -hmm. or highlights and stuff. So, uh, I mean, a YouTube, I'm, I'm not sure. I know, uh, I'm not really in the YouTube space very much. So how about um, Twitch then? Okay, so, uh, um, it's very difficult to say because it's the Wild West right now and things like this are... You know, it's kind of again novel ideas that are being explored. You know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. You know, maybe uh, this will be completely different in two years. But I really love broadcasting. I really love that. So what I'm hoping for in ten years is that I just have enough to provide for me and my family, and I'm able to put on a really fun show for people, and uh, I'm able to connect uh, on the internet with people all over the world. Like that's important to me. Um, along the way, I would. Definitely love to grow my business. You know, everybody everybody wants to be successful. Oh, wants of course. To, you know, they want to uh, give back to you know community. Most people do. So um, charity, I hope, becomes a big part, and it has already of Twitch. Yeah, what I'm hoping exactly. is that into the future that that charity just is synonymous. You know, I, I want that to be a big thing too. So um, so yeah, ten years from now, I'm hoping to honestly still do what I do, just at a higher level. You know, and always get better at, at my content and uh, my show and my broadcast, and just keep getting better. And to, I mean, maybe something will pop up later. Who knows? Virtual reality might come out. It might be a, a whole other landscape of things to explore. Oh, but, I... but for right now, you know, I, I'm I'm very content. I think that that Twitch has made a lot of really good moves. I think they're learning very quickly. I think they listen to us. They listen to us and they talk to us and they have us come out and they. They take feedback, and they're very good about communication. I feel like Twitch, as a business, is so personal to me. Uh, like um, DJ Wee, um, who's one of the one of the, the hotshots over there, 
uh, he takes time out of his day, you know, to like if he sees a tweet that I might throw out that looks a little bit pressure, he'll hit me up. Are you okay, man? You know, talk to me, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas opposed to YouTube, I see a lot of YouTubers. I talk to a lot of YouTubers because there's a lot of crossover there, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, YouTubers um, kind of have the opposite reaction. Like YouTube is here and they're here, and there's so much miscommunication going on between them. Uh, with the with the content changes and just recently wasn't there like a sub leaking bug or something? Uh, you know? Yeah, I heard. About, I literally heard about that like like two hours ago. Yeah, so, like some of the big YouTubers lost a lot of their friends' subs. Um, other like content people lost more of their subs. I think those that are just watching uh, videos on YouTube have so, been losing subs. So I know that's that's been like one of YouTube's biggest problems. So the uh, difference here is that if that were to happen on Twitch, we they have people we can reach out to immediately. And talk to and get answers from and and have that that sort of uh, open dialogue. Whereas on YouTube, from what I've heard, there's not a medium for that, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know where YouTube's going, but I think Twitch has a really good head on its shoulders. I think they take care of their content uh, creators. I think they understand how important we are to them, and uh, and they they are very good to us. So um, I think Twitch is a really healthy business. I think it's going to remain a healthy business. I have no reason to think otherwise, and neither did the stats. So, uh, That's a great answer. But you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, the only tells us so much. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, well, actually, you actually answered my last question as well. Uh, pretty much, where do you see yourself, you know? Five years from now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, I see myself, you know, at my house and with my family and doing a broadcast in my office. That's what I just keep building on my brand and, and having fun and getting to meet cool people and being able to provide, you know, uh, you know, hours and hours, hundreds of hours and thousands of hours of entertainment for people. You know, so that's exciting for me. Uh, it's what I love to do. All right, awesome. So, with that regard, it was great talking with you. Oh, yeah, no, uh, it was a pleasure. On behalf of Pop Culture Cosmos, we really appreciate you talking to us. Yeah, no problem. And letting us know how you felt about this, and you as yourself, as a content creator, how you feel everything is going forward with the industry and for yourself. Yeah, well, thank you. No, I, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. Yep. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com That's a that's a conversation for another day as far as reaching that type of uh, that type of game with that type of audience. And that's something I think we should deal with here on the show coming up in a, in a future episode. I, I agree. Because um, it's been a long-standing problem. One of the biggest issues is um, the, the culture here in the U.S. that you know, has been established where you have people... In Japan, a lot of times the handheld games cost just as much as the full console releases because they're considered full games. Yeah. So in the U.S., when you discount that, it's tough for a publisher to put a lot of money into it when they're already taking a 30% hit just on the retail. Yeah. So they can sell a game in Japan for $50, $60, and here it comes out 30 or 40 That's a big difference, especially when you're talking about all that time and money to rework it for a U.S. audience. So that's why a lot of them, like, keep getting pushed back and pre-orders because they're working on these skeleton crews and would rather just push it back than not put it out at all. You know what I mean? It's Well, there is a following here in the U.S. for Japanese games as a whole, but they don't seem 
I don't know. Sometimes it just seems, like you said, it, it you think it's going to be larger than what it is. And then when it ultimately hits the market, it just doesn't seem to translate into the numbers that you, you would expect. And I, I think, like I said, I think that's when you put it on like consoles like the, the Vita and things like that. I mean, I, I feel it started in the PlayStation 3 era, era where people were like, I'll buy a PS3 when there's the JRPGs that I want. And there were still games selling on the PS2 after the PS3 was out. And I think we kind of hit that same thing here where there were RPGs coming out, but not the kind of RPGs people wanted to play. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were still stuck on the PS3 for all these great RPGs they wanted. But when a new PS4 RPG comes out, people don't buy it because I feel like consoles now are sold to the masses on the backs of shooters and on the backs of these big action games, the Uncharted, the Call of Duties, the Halos, you know what I mean? They really drive console sales. And the, those niche... Those majority, I guess, majority niche markets. If there aren't ten RPGs to play, they don't care. So I think a lot of people get into it late to go back and play those games. But it suffered, and new game sales suffer because of it. What do you think they can be done to maybe liven that, that genre up to make it more attractive to a larger audience? I think something like how do I say it? If Final Fantasy was a launch title, and they would actually show uh, the amount of people I talk to, and they go, "Oh, Final Fantasy," I'm like, "Are you excited for the new one?" No, I'm not really into like turn-based. It's action RPG. And people go, holy crap. But you watch the trailers and stuff, and they don't show combat. They don't show all that. And people... I think the audience, the casual audience has no idea that RPGs cannot be turn-based. Because even myself, I like action RPGs over turn-based. I yeah. play turn-based, but I'm much more of an action RPG. Even like Tales of... I get so many people into the Tales of series... Because I'm like, oh, they're pretty much like a, a modified action RPG of the arena type of style thing. And people buy them and they love them because it's just like playing an, an action game yeah. with, a, with a skill tree. And Nino Kuni, another one like that that people people overlook because they go, oh, it's just another... But that was chair. a surprise hit it to was, an extent. It was, but it, I feel the second one's going to sell so much better than the first. Cause people now oh, that know. didn't. Well, no, it didn't. People, huh? The second, second yeah, one didn't, didn't say it. That's what I'm saying. I, I wished it had, but I felt like that was going to be the case, and I think it's part of the same problem. It's just companies, Sony's the worst at it, informing the customer, the, the casual person, showing them this is what it is and this is why it's like that, instead of just pumping everything out on a name. Maybe a thought is to maybe to bundle them together. Maybe yeah. t- instead of taking, you know, saying to these Japanese developers, hey, you're not going to be able to sell it in mass at a full price just by itself. So maybe if you partner yourself up with maybe some other JRPC, JRPGs and within the same realm or whatnot, maybe two or three together in a bundle and just going out at that, maybe that, that could garner at least a little bit more marketing power, but also as well more notoriety and better value for customers here in the U.S. That just happened uh, with uh, Yomawari and... Crap! What was the other game? Yomawari uh, um, Night Alone, the the collector's edition, uh, comes with two games on one on one cart. Okay. So that that same idea where they knew the one game wouldn't stand on its own, so they bundled it with the other and charged a little bit more. So instead of the standard, most collector's editions on the Vita are sixty bucks, as opposed to the forty for the standard game. This one was eighty, but it came with two games plus all the collector stuff. So I, I agree that might actually be a really good. They do it with shooters, look at like the Bioshock series, or you see Ubisoft releasing another you know, greatest hits type thing. Why not do it with RPGs? Uncharted I agree. Collection and whatnot that that sold strongly at first when it came out because people were, that hadn't played it yet, uh, wanted to get into the series. Same thing, like I said, would would go for this as far as with three, you know, 
decently or, or quality rated G, or JRPGs coming out from Japan bundled together, maybe getting a better uh, distributor here for the U.S. or somebody that's going to put some money into it. Maybe that's a better package to sell to consumers. Well, we also see, you know, the trend for a while was JRPGs didn't sell very well. They were that niche group. And so a lot of them come here and they are limited quantities. I mean, look at, look at Xenoblade, <laughs> the first Xenoblade. It was a GameStop exclusive and they couldn't keep it in stock yeah. to the point where they were reprinting the game, opening it, and selling it for more. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of demand. So uh, I, I think it's part of just that, that limited availability that some people don't want to get into it because it is kind of expensive. Yeah. Even look back, I mean, you start buying PS1, PS2, and like even some PS3 RPGs are starting to creep up. It's an expensive thing to get into. So if you're not if you're not in on it the second it comes out, they don't sit on store shelves for a year. They no. don't end up in the the twenty dollars section at Best Buy and Walmart because there weren't enough copies made. So and it's weird because we see that from big companies like Square, where we don't see you know games like Final Fantasy fifteen. I I guarantee six months later it'll be hard to find that game new, even though it's a Final Fantasy game. I mean, you already see uh, what is it? The HD collection has been that I may disagree with you on because I yeah. think that's going to go. I think that's going to be trying to push big. I think there's so much of a development issue and development cost, which we're going to get into with the Last Guardian. Um, I think that it it just they need to go ahead and push that out with commercials and whatnot. So six months, you will be able to still find that. Even like the um, the the HD collection. Um, that they, they put out. Well, that's that, different. Well, that, I'm saying that, 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 that pulled off shelves and then came back. They did another production run, and now it's in like the twenty dollars bins. But there was a good there was a good while you couldn't find that game. Okay, but fifteen I might have to disagree with you on because I think okay. they, they're targeting that as a triple A game. I'm like I said, I'm just worried it's going to sell like a triple A game. I don't know if it will. I think you'll have the hardcore fan base go out and buy it. I don't know if it'll get new people into the series because we haven't seen like I said we haven't seen any. Final Fantasy has this problem with, and a lot of JRPGs, advertising with cutscenes and story. And they don't advertise with gameplay. And, you know, so when, when you have games like, you know, Ninja Gaiden 2 <laughs> outselling Final Fantasy games that, that uh, generation, when it's similar gameplay, that's, that's, that's really weird. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they have to approach when they're advertising and marketing this to a different base. They have to market it towards that base, and they can't market it use the same marketing strategies and campaigns that they used in Japan here. It's a similar thing to Europe. You have to use a different marketing strategy when you go and market to Europe than way you, the way you would in the U.S. because the, the tastes as far as the consumers, as far as they're different than what they are in each region. Yeah, and it's, it's I don't think they've done a good job of that because, like I said, I, just for me on this side of the counter, a lot of people come in and have no clue how this game or that game plays. Because the, the customer is lazy. They're not going to... Most people, if they hear about a game and they go, eh, I, it, doesn't look like, it doesn't look like something I play based off that cutscene or based off that commercial, they're not going to go check out, you know, oh, how's the gameplay? Most people don't do that. Yeah. But if they see the commercial and they go, oh, that looks kind of cool, then they'll go look at it for a second and go, yeah, I want to play this. Definitely. But indeed. if you don't grab them in that, in that first impression, a lot of people are just done with it. And then, unfortunately, the internet... You, they hear a couple people say the same thing they do, and all of a sudden, that's the majority opinion, and it's over. And I, I like I said, because maybe it's just because of the retro market we're in. I mean, people really want RPGs. That's what I mean. RPGs are a huge thing, obviously. Yeah. But newer RPGs don't sell that well, yeah. and then a year later, they jump in price because everybody wants them. 
So I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it does. You see it a lot on eBay and whatnot. So they go onto the the black market and and the prices skyrocket from there, depending on the the accessibility of the actual game. Well, yeah, I think it's just because later down the road, more people realize, oh, this probably was a good game because more people were saying it was. So I want to try it now, and they have no problem paying that sixty, seventy, eighty dollar premium for that game they could have picked up for. 50 or 60 or even 20 at certain times exactly because of that yeah no that's a, that's great points indeed uh so that was a uh, a little bit of extra sorry there. yeah no <laughs> that was answer. great but retro city games has a large community as well they've got a, a massive audience that that interacts with each other on a daily basis and also interacts with nicole and doug on a well more than a <laughs> daily basis i can assure you so they're they're great indeed so check it out retro city games on facebook the leaders in video gaming right here at southern nevada so for rob mccallum douglas hoyabu this is gerald glassford I want to thank you again for listening to us and watching us again we appreciate it it's another beautiful day in paradise and here's hoping you have yourself a great day